I've been looking forward to this one. I think I say that on all of your episodes. It's, yeah, I mean, who could blame you? Let me introduce (laughs) the wonderful, the alluring, the beautiful Cannibal Siren. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. (laughs) Back and bloodthirsty. Always, always (laughs) happy to have you. You should know already off the bat how much I appreciate you doing this with me, uh, like, every year. (laughs) <laughs> you've, you've been it's around true. you've been around for a while you date back all the way to season one you're you're an og that comes in every season and drops some serious shit <laughs> and then vanish and, into the and night. then vanishes for a good <laughs> for a good you know 10 20 episodes so it's it's always great to have you back in and as uh, quality has always been amazing with you, stories have always been amazing with you. I'm really excited for what we're reading today because it's just it. You can you could almost see it right. Like I'm sitting on Reddit, uh-huh. I'm browsing, I'm browsing the shit, and this title comes up. This beautiful, perfect. Who title. who do I think of? Me. I immediately, I immediately think <laughs> of you. And do you know why? It's because of our last couple stories that we've read together. Um, the last one I think we did together was stories to read alone at night, but we're still working with, uh, Mark on trying to make the, the finale for that and the interview for that happen. Yes. Um, yes. I'm so I'm we're, that's going to be closer to episode 300 at this point. Could not be um, more excited. Honestly, I guess we, we need to get Mark nailed down and, and he, it's hard because he lives on the other side of the country. That is hard. Um, <laughs> but with, with stories to read alone at night out. You and I take on series, and with the many series that we've done, um, they all kind of relate to scary situations for like various couples. Mm-hmm. And Demonic I think it da- I think it dates back <laughs> even to like monster fucking episode number one, oh, yes. the the, the freaky ghost bed that the ghost the ghost that just wants to fuck. Yeah, the fuck ghost. Oh, the fuck ghost. The fuck ghost. <laughs> it always comes back to the fuck ghost, I it think. It really and, does, actually. The circle of and, uh, life. <laughs> the circle of death. And then we did um, the, uh, the... I believe the next one we did was the cabins. Yes, in, the In cabins. the romantic cabin getaway. Yes. R.I.P. our Native American brothers. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> what, was it, what was his name? T-Way or yes, Taway or yes. something like that? I think that. it was T-Way. And was there a Nathan? <laughs> I'm remembering I think, I think that I think that might have been the second one, yeah. I, I think but, it was uh, Nathan, yeah. They deserved better. Do um, not remember the main character's name. <laughs> no, fuck both of the main characters. No, they deserved no. everything that happened to them. So... You know, we we dealt with that, which were some, um, I'm going to say, some skinwalker shit. Yeah, some super fun best friends, <laughs> my favorites. The moral and then of we the dealt story, with... M- the moral of the story is that if you hear something fucked up in the woods, leave it alone. Don't touch <laughs> it. Go back to bed. 
Yeah, leave it alone. Gaslight it into thinking around. you don't know it's there. Don't go fucking around no. in uh, in caves and shit. No, God. <laughs> and was that the same one as the one with the baby, or was that one different? No, that was a Mister Stringy, I think. Oh, okay. Wasn't that Mister? So, I remember one with a baby. Someone kept wanting to like steal a baby. Um, might have been Mister Stringy, I, I but think, yeah, Mr. the Stringy other one that stands out. Now I need to look at my phone. The one that stands out the most to me is the last one we did with the um, the two male uh, homosexual couple um, who just could not have the happy ending. God, that literally that deserved. <laughs> the saddest shit. I'm like, <laughs> and I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm queer. And I was like, oh, my God, a gay story. This is great. And then at the end, I was like, this is not great. This is very bad. <laughs> this hurts. I changed me. I changed me mind. Not saying I don't have like. I mean, you know, I'm dating a man. I'm not saying I don't have any empathy for straight couples and horror <laughs> stories. I just want to clarify. No, for real. I'm not oppressing the straights this time. Maybe later. Not right now. <laughs> but God damn, that one was like so. Okay, owie. so I'm, I'm looking at your playlist right now. So your first three episodes were just kind of getting you into the the, the the scene of things, you know, lots lots of pasta, reading random stories. Then we get to your fourth episode, freaky ghost bed with the go- with the fuck ghost. Yes, the fuck. Then ghost. we did an alien episode, which I actually forgot about. Oh, I forgot about the alien. That was good though. But then, but then the skinwalker parent one, which I am remembering correctly, mm-hmm. the the wife had issues. Remember, yeah, the was, wife had issues. Yeah, she was like a nutcase. Um, and that one was called To Best Laid Plans. Yes. And then we did a single off, and then we did the Doppel Snatch, yes. which is the, the Skidwalker gay couple that doesn't fucking make it out. Uh, and then you were on our, um, and then you, you came and did our uh, uh, special. I survived. Where where you survived the, the, the death, the death, the cabin experience. Mm-hmm. And then we got back into more stories to read alone at night. So we, um, I can't believe I survived that truck. This is your, this is your 16th episode. Wow. It doesn't feel like my 16th episode. It is your 16th episode. That's wild. How crazy is that? We've been doing this for a very long time. Let me see what the first one was dated at. Let's see where is the call, the call of cannibal siren. Let's see where that one goes. My cat is singing her own siren song, <laughs> as always. <laughs> she really doesn't me- like it when I like get on the phone or like, you know, talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> talk to me, damn it! It's yeah, exactly. It's like being in an abusive relationship, except she's you know small and fuzzy and adorable and you know has a brain the size of a peanut. Yeah, you do. It doesn't. It doesn't give me an exact date. It just tells me that the first episode was four years ago. God, so that means okay. we average about four episodes a year, which is great. Yeah. So like so. every you know every like three ish months, <laughs> three to six months, which is, we, we which is fantastic. Yeah, we manifest. We have like a three hour catch up and then record a bunch of episodes and then we both disappear into the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're going to be sticking a little bit closer to the chest for some D&D later this year, Cannot which I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point. Oh, I might even record some of our sessions. Who knows? 
Um, I I was scanning the no sleeps uh, for um, they're like award winning shit, right? Right. The stuff that people like, the stuff that people tout. Yeah, the good and shit. This is a new age one that got a lot of like track behind it. Like, okay, okay. this one came out. And it was immediately popular. Like an immediate, I remember being in Vermont with Franz McBoohoo being like, Oh wow. I'm, I'm reading parts of this and it just sounds really interesting. Sounds really great. Right. But I did it so long ago. I think I did it like two years ago. So this story has been in the, uh, it's been in the, the barrel for a bit, uh, waiting to be pulled out and, and gone through. Correct. And I can't think of anyone else. I would have read this story with because you and I love to deal with uh, fucked up couple situations. We do. And you know what? Asking ourselves what we would do in these situations with our significant others. I was about to say it's because we criticize them and we're like, wow, we would have done so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Or sometimes so much worse, honestly. The truth is with, with, with my girlfriend, I think any any shitty or scary circumstance were to happen, she'd just completely shut down mm. and, and start crying. And I would become aggressively against that. That's a So mood. we're already a mess. <laughs> See, I, I just like, so my strategy with scary things is to just pretend it's not happening. And like, we've established that, right? And just like you know, I listen. Just there's just, so many episodes where you just mentioned like I'm just gonna pretend it's not. Yeah, happening. you know, just gaslight the monster into thinking you don't see it. You know, like <laughs> it's like he's literally standing right behind you, and he's like, "You should turn around," and you're like, "Nah." I'm like, actually, I'm gonna. And he's like it. confused. He's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and and he's like, "No, you should like you should like really turn around." He's like. Yeah, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna go into the kitchen. See ya. <laughs> I'm gonna make some coffee. Um, if if you want a cup of tea, I'll leave something out. Uh, don't don't talk to me. But though. we're not doing this. No, don't talk. But to we're me. not doing this right I now. I already covered up all the mirrors, so don't try that shit. Um, I'm gonna it's go to bed. Happening. I'm gonna take my meds like I always do, and I'll be out and blacked out like a light. And if you kill me in my <laughs> you're sleep, you're not gonna have. I won't know. You're gonna think you're gonna think that you can do something about it. You can't do something about it. Exactly. And the ghost is just left standing there, going like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> the ghost is like, "This is the worst fucking haunting ever. I hate it here." He's like calling I hate his this boss. Generation. He's gonna quit his job. He's like, <laughs> 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 "He's like, this is fucked up. This is not what I was promised." And I just, I'm you- taking a, I'm taking my pre, my pre-reading smoke right now yes. to get into the mindset. I just. I, you know, I'm trying to think of how my partner would react. And I just, <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I feel like. I feel like w- based off of what you've told me, it would be like a silent acceptance yeah. with, with zero, like with zero emotion attached to it. I, I do. I think, I really think. That it would just be like, it would, it would be along the lines of recognition. Like, Okay. I just, I honestly think that we've both just been through too much shit, and now we're both just, like, at a point where we over would be it. like, you know what? Just totally over it. Yeah, just, you know what? Uh, no, no thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like, uh, ghost, ghost walks up to him, and he goes, huh, 
this isn't going to be good. <laughs> exactly. He would just, I feel like he would just come up to me and be like, hey, I don't want to scare you, but I definitely saw a decapitated head in the bathroom, <laughs> and it's not there anymore. So either I need to go to the hospital... <laughs> <laughs> or we need to leave right or now. you need or you need to gaslight me so hard into making it not real that both of us believe it's not there and you know what i would because <laughs> you're a good because you're a good partner yeah and i'm a great gaslighter that's what the best partner does it Gaslight. They you. give. They give in to their. Uh, <laughs> they gaslight. <laughs> they, they gaslight. gaslight you. <laughs> they manipulate each other's emotions. Right, but you know he's been with me too long though. He's like immune. I would be like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. He'd be like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, sure. Siren. That's a beautiful thing. Um. <laughs> so, so I, I've only I've only been with my my current girl Alley Cat for a year okay. we just passed the year mark and congrats we have thank you we haven't lived anywhere together we've gone on multiple vacations together i've been over to her house a bunch i've watched her cats you know but uh this this story i think hits close to home for me because i was in a previous relationship that went downhill the minute we moved in together right yeah and it's always one of those humps that people warn you about like you know you don't quite know someone until you live with them. Right. No, you really don't. And, and then you uh, know them so well. <laughs> and then you know everything about them. So, you know, you are coming from an aspect of having lived literally with your partner for years. Yes. And I'm coming of a perspective of jilted. <laughs> and, <laughs> which is, you know, my usual perspective. I was about to say. <laughs> my usual perspective is jilted and, and constantly comparing things to my exes. And um, I'm going to say that I'm glad I'm going through this experience with you, because yes. if this were to actually happen to me, I think I'd nope the fuck out of there. And I need someone to gaslight the shit out of me because the rent is cheap. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Do you have the girl for the job? <laughs> I need someone to convince me that there's more to gain here than there is to lose. But, like, let's just read the title and go over it for a second. All right. It was a much longer title. It's one of those no sleeps where they have, like, three sentences for a title, but this is all I took. The previous tenant of my new flat left a survival guide. Right. Which is a great sign. And... It's a generous thing because the person who you are taking this place from is trying to promote your survival, trying to give you an edge on the living situation you're about to enter into, and you need to be prepared for it. And I think the only reason um, this is going to be happening is because our characters are going to come from a place of not quite immaculate wealth mm -hmm. and the living, the housing situation is shit to begin with oh, yeah. and the rent situation is shit to begin with. God. You live in Philly. You understand. Yes. I actually um, did move. Uh, I live I just, in my brother's basement. Whatever. I, of course. <laughs> I actually just caved and uh, moved to the suburbs outside of Philly in, uh, did you? Yeah. In when? February. Um, oh shit. Yeah. February of this year. I just, you know, we were, how far out of Philly are you? Where in, are you actually at? I'll, I'll cut this out. I okay. You'll cut that. this out. Okay. We're, we're in.
which is like super fucking waspy. But um, we found a really like, I mean, you know, it's not a great price because there literally isn't of an apartment building with a great price anymore. But it's decent, and so you're not you're not renting with like another couple anymore. No, it's just me and him now in like a two bedroom. It's like it's like sixteen eighty five for the two bedroom, which is like not amazing, but it's also no. better than most of the other places we were looking at. A two like, bedroom around me is like twelve hundred. Right, it's ridiculous, dude. Like in Philly, it's even worse. Like I have two oh, friends, I can imagine. I have two friends in a one bedroom that's like half the size of our place, and they're paying fourteen hundred for it. Nah, man. Nah. Right, like they're literally only paying like two hundred or three hundred dollars less, and they have half the space. And they have half the space. That's not cool. Yeah, it's nah. like it's insane. It's insane. And I mean, when I first I, moved I to Philly that. in like twenty fourteen, and then I got my first apartment in twenty fifteen, I had like my first apartment was two bedrooms. I remember nine hundred bucks. It was horrible. It was like a shithole. But then the next one was 1200 for a two-bedroom. And it was like medium. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was like fine. And it was close to Temple. But it's only been like, you know, when did I move out? I moved out of that place in 2018, right? So it's only been like four or five years. And now I can't find a two-bedroom for less than $1,600. Yuck. Right? It's like a fucking. I remember your first two places. I, I think I think I we recorded in both of those places. We recorded in the uh, shit. We recorded in um, my apartment. I think we were, didn't we record in my apartment in Maniunk? Once I feel I, like we did once. I and, believe we did. And then the apartment in on on like fifteenth and Oxford, we definitely recorded there. We definitely recorded. That there. was the twelve hundred dollar one. Okay. Yeah, it's just fucking insane. I just can't believe how, like, the rent is just so ridiculous. Like, this, hilariously, the place we got is actually, like, a good deal in comparison to no, the No, no, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm only scoffing at the price. Yeah, it is. I'm it's only scoffing at the inflation. I'm not scoffing at your situation at it's all. Just oh, no, I um, know. It's just fucking ridiculous. Sorry, I don't mean to sound, like, fucking angry. I'm just mad at everyone. You're allowed to be Jesus. So um, fucking mad. I think my brother pays, he's had this mortgage on this place for 10 years, and right. I think he, he doesn't pay anything more than 1200 for his house. And, and that's like him, a whole house? It's a whole house. Um, it's a small house, it's not a big house. Yeah. Like if you, if you remember from coming over here, it's not, it's not large. Right. But, you know, um, we have a lot of space, though, to keep to ourselves. It's, it's a one bathroom. That's, right. That's all you have to say to, to kind of put it in perspective. Um, it... it he he has all of upstairs. I have all of the basement, but we have the laundry down here taking up the space that he doesn't have upstairs. Right. Yeah. And then we share the middle floor, which is a living room, a bathroom, and a kitchen. Right. And it's quaint. It's quaint for two people, and I could understand why he would want to like move in with a girl in this house because that's what he did, and then right. they broke up. So Ugh, right. you know, it, it all it all feeds to the to the fear of of the episode that we're even getting into. Yeah. Which is just like. I'm sure the reason the people are getting into this situation is because they were either kicked out of their previous apartment, couldn't afford their previous apartment, needed to downsize, needed to take something cheaper. It's 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 a move to the bad side of town to save money. And I I feel for him, man, cuz I I graduated from college and I sat in my mom's basement for three years until right. 
she tried selling the house and then I was there alone in that giant house for two years. Yeah, I remember that. So, so by the time I graduated, I had one more year in that house and then I just came and lived with my brother because he was alone and he had an entire house to himself and God knows he could use some help on right. the rent. No, so I exactly. Give, I give him a fraction. I told I, I basically walked into it saying, I'm not going to give you half of your mortgage because I'm not getting half of the house. Yeah, definitely not. With no. But I will absolutely give you like a quarter. I think and that's more than fair. And you could pocket that quarter because you weren't using your basement anyway. <laughs> so, you know, the truth is the space I moved into was storage space for him. So... Yeah, so uh, the only thing I don't contribute to, like, that I think I'm paying him for is electric and internet. Right. You know, I rare, I rarely have the heat on. It's always cold down here. You know, um, it's how I like it. <laughs> I'm a pale white boy. Mood. And, uh, and I never leave the house. Same. So, <laughs> you know, the apocalypse, the apocalypse did me good. Yeah. So, um, made that so much worse. I never, so I, when I, I don't fucking go anywhere. <laughs> So when I think about the situation that this couple is coming into, I'm thinking it's a situation of desperation. Yep. And I'm thinking it's a situation of economic viability. And you read the whole survival guideline, and I just got to ask you, Siren, would you, if, if I could tell you to either half or two-third your rent, Right. But I give you, but I give you a list of five things that are going to, not in your apartment, but in your building, mm-hmm. supernaturally happen around you, and what to avoid. Would you live there for the rent cut? I, you know, I really think it would depend on what the things were. See like, that that's not the perspective of the story we're coming into. They come into the apartment and find a survival guide. Yeah. They are not there's they're they're in the door at the price. Right. Yeah. See, I mean like I would definitely like don't get me wrong. If I saw an apartment building looked legal, had a good price, wasn't like terrible, had everything I wanted, yeah, you better believe I would be fucking running in there. And then if I found the list after signing the lease or whatever... Here's the funny thing. I don't think the building looks that great from the outside either. Mm. I think it looks sketch as fuck. I mean... We're going to find out, but I believe the situation they're coming into is not great. You know what? Hilariously, so the building we moved into was, like, literally mid-renovation, so it looked like a garbage can from the outside (laughs) and like the actual apartment in the building was nice but when I first had people come to visit like it scared them coming into my apartment because like everything was definition of don't judge a book by its cover exactly and then you come in and it's like oh the apartment's actually really nice and now they're almost done with all the renovations that they were doing but like holy fuck I I I mean it didn't stop me do that so many buildings in that area could look so garbage you know like I I lived in northeastern PA for two years I know I know what things could look like from the outside and the front is not a, a you know reflective of the experience you're going to have. Right. Um, I, I'm ready to jump in, but I do want to, I do want to quickly say that I think if I, it depends on the situation they're in for me. Yeah. Cause it depends on how desperate you are. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I have been, I like to say I was homeless for about two months. Right. I was Same. living out of my car and sleeping on people's couches. And I never quite reached a point of desperation where I was like completely out of options. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it literally came to a point where I had a friend who just had a spare bedroom at his parents' place, and they were just like, yeah, you only have to share a bathroom with him, and you can come and go as much as you want. And I was like, oh, for real? Because I've been, like, sleeping in my car the last two weeks, and they were like, you don't have to do that. Here's a bathroom that you could use whenever you want. (laughs) Here's a here's a couch you can sleep on. Here's a small TV. You're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like and I was like, "Okay, but like I never quite lived there, you know? Like I only I came and went and I used it as a place to sleep if I didn't have anywhere else to go." Right. And um it was it was really nice and it was what I needed at the time, but I, you know, I was doing my daily laundry at the laundromat. I was sleeping in my car. I was going to like a movie theater to, uh, to like waste time and, and use the bathroom there. Like I was, I, you know, I went to like a mall and sat in a Barnes and Noble to use the internet, that type of thing. Um, but you know, like I never felt like I needed to, stoop to a serious level of desperation where I'm like, I'm going to move into the ghetto and I'm going to, I'm going to live in this tiny little place with three roommates because it's the only thing I can do right now. Like, luckily I've never, I've never like been there. I have been there and I did do that. I lived with, um, I, when I moved into that shithole, my first, my first apartment was literally like, it was so bad. It was like a scum land. It was like a fucking slumlord. We were living with another couple in like the smallest two bedroom on the planet. Like the window was broken. So in the winter it was just cold. Like (laughs) they wouldn't, there was glass in the backyard that they wouldn't pick up. Like it was just full of rats. It was so, it was so bad, but we were desperate and like, I couldn't afford anything else. So that was uh, my life for like a year. And then after I graduated college, uh, me and my partner did move in with a uh, friend's family home. We slept in their basement, like on the folding couch. Um, And that was like, that was like six months, but we did pay rent um, to live there and everything so that we could like, you know, get on our feed. I, it took me like a month and a half ish to find a job. And then I had to like save, I had to catch up on all the bills and then, you know, save aggressively. And it was not fun. It was not a great situation. But you did what you had to. to exactly. To get through it. Exactly. And I mean, like I'm pretty, I, I grew up broke. Um, so I'm pretty used to doing that now. So like, you know, I honestly, if I didn't know that there was some supernatural bullshit, but the deal was that good, and then I came in and found out. I'm starting I, to think, yeah, yeah you I would. Might try I'm and starting tough to it think out. you'd hoof it. Yeah, I'm starting to think that you'd have a better chance at this than I would. <laughs> so you might be the voice of reason at some point. <laughs> Bless our souls. Listen, man, I I got a a bitch has to, a bitch has a bad credit score. <laughs> <laughs> and if I can save enough money on rent to get a better credit score and get some sushi every couple of weeks, 
I'm a happy for, camper. For some reason, I just I just saw the 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 man with many faces from Game of Thrones saying a girl a girl must kill to survive, and instead he says a bitch has a bad credit score. <laughs> Do you know how to improve that credit score by assassinating the king? <laughs> like, you know, it's like a bitch must improve her credit score. A bitch must improve her credit score, apparently. Fucking hilarious. Listen, I mean, every now and again, you have to Photoshop your paycheck to get into an apartment, <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I'm. Hey, kids, if you want scummy poor person tips. Leave a question in the comments. I'll help you. I'm scum. <laughs> I am slime. The answer so, is to lie. I'm I not. I want you to start this if you're comfortable starting this. I am this. so comfy. And when it comes to dialogue, feel free to just kind of stop for a second and read who it is because we're probably going to be putting it together at the same time. All right. And if it is me, a.k.a. said boyfriend, then... I will try to catch it, but I'm gonna be. Ju I'm just gonna be looking to get into the story as much as you are. Okay, I'm ready. So we're gonna we're gonna jump into uh, our story of of uh, what's gonna be the next um, four episodes. We're gonna do uh, odds going towards two fifty. Uh, so this is gonna be forty one, forty three, forty five, and forty seven. It's a four part series with Cannibal Siren. I always loved odd numbers. I I like even more actually <laughs> perfectly <So>. balanced <laughs> <laughs> as all things should be so uh we're, we're jumping into uh, a very exciting hopefully very interesting series um because the rules are fucking interesting without giving anything away uh the previous tenant of my new flat left a survival guide from reddit no sleep and we're going to start with part one, which is called <laughs> Cannibal Siren. I'm not sure I want to live here anymore. <laughs> we're off to a great start. I love it. I moved in with my boyfriend yesterday. We'd been together for five years now, and we're old and wise enough to settle down and finally leave our parents' houses. How old are they? He just turned 24, and I'm 22. <laughs> I'm I'm like cackling at them, but this is exactly what I did. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> this is the this is the situation and the age to do it's, it. I was about to say it's also the same age gap, and yeah, they've been dating since high school, if the timeline is correct. Yeah, so they've been dating since they were since she was sixteen and he was eighteen, which is exactly what I did. So I'm already gonna be a bitch to them for no reason. <laughs> He's the love of my life. His name is Jamie, and I couldn't be happier to be living with him. We decided to make the leap. Oh, excuse me. When we decided to make the leap, we spent two months looking at flats and houses we couldn't afford to buy yet, so renting was our only option. But the prices were astronomical. For our budget, we would have been lucky to get a box room and a stove. Don't I fucking know it, babe? I, I relate. <laughs> Jamie works for a local 24 hour fast food restaurant, and I'm training to be a teacher. The early stages of training don't pay much, and I owe a lot in student loans, so finances are tough. Don't. Those are both rough fucking I, rides. I was about to say, this girl could be talking about, like, my life. <laughs> Although I didn't do teaching um, at all. I got, went and got an art degree instead, because that was definitely much Because smarter. we're smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
We had we're very smart here. Very smart, very smart here. We had almost given up hope until we found our flat. It was nothing special, but to us, it was a palace. A spacious two-bedroom apartment with views of a city park, a balcony, and local conveniences. A fucking balcony. That's what I'm missing in my house, and now I'm already jealous. I love a good balcony. Fuck love a good me. Porch. It's, I wish I had an outdoor space. I want to sit outside. I want to sit outside. I want to hold oh, my coffee. Oh, you should come I over. Sit. We just got a new outdoor set up on our porch. It's I'm great. I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to sit in your yard oh, menacingly. I'm, I'm going to be fine. the ghost. I invited. <laughs> It was in a tower block in a not-so-nice area, but neither of us had been wealthy growing up, uh, so we weren't fussy. Just grateful to be together. The advert was sweetened by the deposit-free option and open-ended tenancy. The that doesn't exist. Uh, well, actually, get this. We were able to finesse this place because they were doing a move-in special, and we did get a deposit-free option. Look at you! There's a, uh, they did, like, I this weird... I didn't know that existed anymore. They, they did a weird deal with, like, a company where you pay, like, uh, like, a really, really low, like, under $500, and they cover your security deposit for you, but it's non-refundable. And we were like, yeah, mm. obviously. So we did move into this place for $500. Very nice. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, this is hilarious. This is literally exactly what they're doing. <laughs> I'm about to find out. My place is haunted as fuck. Yeah, you just haven't found the book yet. Not yet. The landlord was happy to sign a five-year contract if we wanted. That sort of thing never happens in the city or literally anywhere. <laughs> we were told that along with no deposit, we would also have no inspections, but would be liable to pay for any damage when we ended the tenancy. I'd never heard of anything quite like it. We knew that for our budget and location, we weren't going to get any better. We snapped the place up fast, not even bothering to view it. It felt like our only chance. I, I have also been there. Desperation. <laughs> Move-in day rolled Telling around you. quickly. And actually, I, I think that I rented my second apartment sight unseen. <laughs> Move-in day I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say like anything bad about you no, doing I'm just, that. I'm just tackling. This is like too relatable. I think that whoever wrote this <laughs> needs to get the fuck out of my like out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Move-in day rolled around quickly, and yesterday we got the keys to our first home together. It was such a strange feeling. The day was chaos, getting our stuff in and up the lift. We're flat number 42 on the seventh floor. The items we couldn't get in the lift had to be taken up all the stairs by the removal men. I think they were grateful we weren't any higher, but I still wish we had been able to give them a better tip. In the evening, we settled down on our secondhand sofa given to us by a cousin of a friend and watched some TV. We smoked cigarettes on the balcony looking at the park and fell asleep on our mattress on the floor super early because we had no energy to put the bed together yet, and Jamie had to work at a hideous time of the morning. We slept soundly last night. I felt safe and happy. I don't think that feeling's coming back anytime soon, and it's all due to the note I found this morning. I found it in the kitchen, having coffee, hours after Jamie had left for his early shift at work. It was in one of the cupboards that were fixed to the wall. There were a bunch of useful items from the previous tenant. Spare keys to the flat, a set of tiny keys that locked and unlocked the windows, necessary for those with kids this high up, spare smoke alarm batteries, and a folded up piece of paper. The note was handwritten with new occupier of flat 42 and beautiful cursive on the blank side. I opened it up and sat down to read. I can't really describe it to you, so I'm going to copy it out below. I believe it is an old woman. <clears throat> um, you don't have to read it in old woman voice if you don't want to. That's to, I'm not asking for it. I was about to say, I'm just, I, I will read. I'm just read. telling you that that's the perspective of uh, of where we're coming from. Well, I, just a warning, my old woman voices often turn southern out of nowhere, so just <laughs> <laughs> That comes with age. Dear new occupier, 
Firstly, welcome to your new home. I lived here before you for 35 years with my husband. Unfortunately, he had an incident at home recently that I'd rather not discuss that claimed his life. My sister has now decided that I can't keep up with the demands of the property and has insisted that I move in with her and her new husband. Excuse me, her husband's old. He's not new. I was reluctant. <laughs> he might be, who knows? Just like everyone else. I was reluctant at first, but the stairs do kill me at my age, and without Bernie, it's filled with sadness. Anyway, when you've lived somewhere for as long as I have, it feels like a person that you know. You understand its personality and what makes it tick. I thought that it was probably pertinent that I impart some of that knowledge on you. It's a wonderful home, honestly. I've lived through best and worst years, and leaving it behind is very emotional. But if you are to survive <laughs> and get the best out of it, then there are some steps you need to follow. Can we switch off on these? Yeah. One, go. The landlord will never bother you. He doesn't visit, call, or communicate in any way. But make sure to pay your rent in a timely fashion always. I have only dealt with him once in 35 years, and let's just say I never missed another red day. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Any repairs required, you speak to the agent you rented the place with. Uh, it's not trying to say anything supernatural or frightening about the landlord. It's just that Russian guy from Spider-Man. I <laughs> Where's my rent? Dude. <laughs> Mr. Ditkovich. Number two, do not use the communal lift between one eleven and three thirty-three a.m. Oh, angel Just numbers. don't do it. <laughs> this step is vital if you are to have a happy life here. It really is life or death. Don't do it. <laughs> this has cost me and many others in the building greatly, and I would rather not elaborate on why you shouldn't do this. <laughs> Just please, don't do it. I cannot stress this enough. Number three. When you hear the strange animal noises coming from flat 48, don't question it. Mr. Prentice lives there, and he's a lovely chap. Don't be afraid to say hello to him in the corridor or on the stairs. He's old school, so he never risks the lift. But whatever you do, don't check on him when you hear the noises. You'll know them when you hear them. Got a werewolf. Yeah, that's got a werewolf living next door. Instantly, I was like, "All right, werewolf, got it, noted." <laughs> <laughs> noted. Four, if you ever come across a window cleaner on the balcony, ignore him. He may seem like the nicest fellow you've ever had trying to sell you something at the door, but it really is the best that you don't engage. He will go away if you ignore him. But he tries pretty hard the first few times, so you'll need some resilience. Whatever you do, don't offer him anything. No money. No hot drink. Hmm. See, that's something I would struggle with because I like I grew up in the South and I am like aggressively like <laughs> hospitable. Oh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty gracious with people who come to work on my house. Too. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like the maintenance yeah. guys are like annoyed with me. I'm like, like do you I, want I a tip drink? the plumber fifty just for coming over. You <laughs> yeah, know. Exactly. 
Number five, don't leave food scraps out. Bin or refrigerate them immediately. If you have small animals, it is imperative that you watch the meat and take away any leftover food immediately after they are done. This and rule two go hand in hand. The things forage all day and seem to really love animal feed. You don't want them in your flat, I promise. You can leave what you want out between 1.11 and 3.33 a.m., so you may want to feed your pets then. Hmm. <laughs> so during that time, the animals, the, the little things don't come out. I don't like that she used the word things. There's just something so scary about that word. Like, it's... Whew. Oh, totally. Totally. The things forage all day. Yep. Yep. Number six. Don't communicate with any neighbors who claim to come from flats 65 to 72. These flats suffered a fire in the late 80s that oh. devastated the whole floor. All the residents died in their homes. Oh, dear. The building was mostly council-owned at the time, and they never bothered to renovate the flats. They've been empty ever since, but... Every now and again, someone will knock at the door claiming to live in one of these flats and ask to borrow some sugar. They will seem entirely average, but you must shut and lock the door immediately. I installed two extra security bolts to avoid these fuckers. <laughs> I don't like to swear at my age, but they really are fuckers. <laughs> this lady is badass. I love her. <laughs> Number seven, simple one for you here. Keep a weapon in each room. Sometimes you follow all the steps and something still slips through the net. Better to be safe than sorry. That one I don't think I'd be able to get past. Yeah, that's 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 that it for me. That one I don't think I could get past. That's it like, for me. Now you're telling me I, I on average have to be on on the fucking lookout for something trying to get me, and I'm, I can't deal with that paranoia, that right. anxiety, that at my mental at my mental state. I was about to say I have a mental illness. Like I, I can't. already <laughs> I already have insomnia. Stop giving me reasons Same. to lose sleep. Same. I have insomnia, and this is just guaranteed that my meds will stop working, and I'll never sleep again, ever, <laughs> ever. Number eight. The building has a committee that will try and get you to join. It's one of those neighbor groups about improving living conditions for all residents. Well, it's it's a nice group, and the lady who runs it, Terry from Flat 26, is a fantastic neighbor. By all means, get involved. But I would not recommend babysitting Terry's two children. Oof. She will ask you. Because the poor woman needs a goddamn brick. But if you accept it, don't say I didn't warn you. Ooh. Demon babies. Number nine. Stray hairless cats sometimes roam in the hallway. I know they're supposedly a special expensive breed, but they don't belong to anyone. They're mostly harmless, but don't pick them up. Not unless you see one of those neighbors that claims to live in 65 to 72. Then grab the cat and lock it inside with you. It'll burn your skin a little. But the cats are friendly, and I wouldn't want to see them hurt. The cat one, I, I also have a problem with. Um, I just you can't put a cat in front of me and not expect me to touch it. Yeah, exactly. I don't give a fuck that it's hairless. I'm gonna be like, kitty. 
And then it's like, then they come back to the warning about the burned victim unit at the end. Mm-hmm. And I, I then get very worried yep. about what the cats are capable of and yep. what the people are capable of. And I'm just, I'm just scared now. She also said it'll burn, <laughs> it'll burn your skin. Like when you pick up the cat, it's going to burn you. Yeah. So they're yeah. hairless because they were burned alive. Ugh. Number 10. There is no way to fix the damp patch on the ceiling in the bedroom. Sometimes it will turn a deep crimson and look quite concerning, but please try to not be alarmed. It does not drip, it does not get any bigger, and it's been there longer than I have. The landlord will not budge on it, according to the agents. I flagged it many times, even called the police the first night it changed color, but it is a waste of time, and it will be for you too. It is best to ignore it. Hey, I can ignore that. Yeah, that, that I don't give a fuck re- about. That's that fine. was pretty reasonable. Yeah, fine. I don't care. I'll convince myself that it's wine or something. I'm yeah. Fine. I'll just be annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Number 11. You can trust the postman. His name is Ian Flanders, and he's been the postman since before I moved in. He has his own key to the main door and delivers post to the door every morning at 8.54. I can't include everything in here, or it would become a novel, but if you have any questions, Ian will help you. Number 12. Finally. The first few weeks are the worst. You'll feel like you've made a mistake. I'm sure you're reading this and you already think you have. But if you can get through the first few weeks, it really is a lovely block to live in. Every property has its quirks, and this one is just a little extra special. (laughs) But you can be truly happy here if you just take my advice. I wish you all the best. I really do. Yours truly, Miss Prudence Hemmings. I don't really know what to think after reading the note. Hopefully it was some sort of joke, but the agent had said the previous tenant was an elderly lady, and I can't see anyone named Prudence Hemmings attempting to play practical jokes on someone they've never met. She has a... she she does have a point. She does have a point. I, 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 I believe it at face value. Yeah, honestly, I would buy it instantly. If they're addressing physical things that I've already dealt with, I'm going to believe it at face value. Right. And she says, so she says, there were also parts of the note that I couldn't disprove. There was indeed a large damp patch above the bed that me and Jamie had already discussed reporting. No crimson, but it definitely existed. I had also commented on a beautiful sphinx cat roaming the halls as we were moving in. I started to get seriously <laughs> freaked out. Yeah, right. That, that would saying. be enough for me, honestly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, haha, very funny, but then once I saw the damn patch, I'd be like, (laughs) Our dream home, our beautiful little home, had just become a source of fear and confusion. I checked the time, and it was 9.14. Damn it. Out of time to catch Postman Ian. When I opened the door to check, sure enough, two letters addressed to a Miss Hemmings sat on the doorstep. At about 11.15, my worst fears were truly confirmed when a friendly, middle-aged-looking man carrying window-cleaning equipment knocked on my balcony door. Fuck no, dude. I ignored him. I didn't want to take the risk until I'd spoken to Jamie and showed him the note. 
I texted him already to rush home. I felt bad as the man wrapped his knuckles against the door for over ten minutes, but honestly, the longer it went on, the more I was terrified. Right. My windows were sparkling, and due to our lack of curtains, I couldn't even hide from his gaze. I felt so exposed. He stayed for a total of 30 minutes exactly, and never once did he stop looking at me or knocking. He shouted an occasional ultra-friendly line or humble request for a beverage in the heat through the door, but I did my best to avoid eye contact. When he finally left, I looked outside every window in the flat, but I couldn't see him on any of the other balconies or see any equipment suggesting he was around. He had vanished completely. Vomit. <laughs> I would just, I would Pure just, vomit. I would just go. I'd be throwing up off the balcony. Jamie, <laughs> Jamie still hadn't texted me back. He must have been having a rough shift. It was a Friday and they were always busy. It wasn't often that he didn't reply. He was due home in around an hour anyway. I read the note probably hundreds of times over. I tortured myself reading it for the next hour desperately waiting for Jamie to come through the door to tell me it was all crazy and that I should relax. I hoped for that so much, but Jamie never came. His shift should have finished around midday, but by 2 p.m. he still wasn't home. I panicked, I cried, I left over a hundred voice messages on his phone but got nowhere. I finally decided it had been long enough and that calling his work wouldn't embarrass him and his boss told me that he had never turned up for his shift. I thought about it. What could have happened? And then it hit me. Jamie's shift started at 4 a.m. today. I fucking knew it. He would have left the flat at 3.15 and taken the lift down the stairs. I don't know what to do. I've tried to convince myself that it was all just a big joke. Maybe Jamie wrote the note and got his boss in on it. A voice in my head kept telling me that he wouldn't write like that if he tried, but I had to attempt to fool myself. It was getting late, and he still isn't home, and what if it's all true? I think we made a big mistake. No, my character doesn't even exist. Now I feel bad. (laughs) God damn. It's fine. We've just entered a uh, a horrible living situation that I'm now alone and too afraid to do anything about. Mm -hmm. So now um, crippling anxiety and fear of uh, all of my surroundings are going to, you know, naturally start to seep in and make me unable to do anything. Right. I swear to God, I just... Except possibly be really pissed off about everything. I kind of hope that she finds Jamie and that he's, like, you know, fucked up. And, like, but she can, like, you know, drag him back to the apartment. (laughs) But I have a sneaking suspicion (sighs) he's gone, gone. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the, The elevator rule of, like, all of them is the most, I think, like, deceitful. It's the like, most just intense. Don't, just don't one. do it. Just don't do it. Like yeah. that's the only note. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the people from the upstairs flats. They try to talk to you. You just run and hide and lock the door. Or, you know. Right. Try to save a cat if you can. Don't touch cats otherwise. Like it's all okay. But then it's just like some stuff can seep through. Hide a weapon in every room. Nah. Yeah, that's a no from me. And then you wake up and your fucking boyfriend's gone. Oh my god. Nah, this is know- a nightmare. This you know, is Nightmare 101. It is literally, God, I hope, may, maybe maybe our helpful postman NPC will <laughs> give her some encouragement, I don't know. <laughs> helpful postman NPC, Ian. Alright, we're in part two. Part two, I think I'm gonna need more than a guide. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going for now? Uh, we're gonna switch off. Okay. So much has happened in the last 24 hours. I'm so stressed and I've barely slept since I discovered that Jamie was missing. 
It's starting to make me feel a little twitchy, but I thought I'd update you guys. I was overwhelmed by all the suggestions you gave me and have taken more than a few of them on board. I'm definitely going to get a huge planter full of sage for the balcony. Yeah. And I did spill a little salt in my doorway. I'm sorry to disappoint, but it didn't help at all. Oh. There's nothing I'm following quite like Miss Hemming's rules. I've followed them to the letter so far, and lo and behold, I'm still alive. That's not to say it hasn't been tough. I'll start from the beginning. I was going crazy. A few hours after my last post, Jamie still hadn't returned. We had, he had been gone for almost 24 hours. His work have called me multiple times. I don't know what to say, so I just keep ghosting the calls. I was bang in the middle of danger time when I decided checking the lift had to be my first step. But I wasn't going to break the rule. So I waited. I waited desperately for 3.34. And I'm ashamed to say that when it did, I remained paralyzed on our sofa for almost a half hour before I found the nerve to leave the flat at 4.02 a.m. when I finally reached the lift. I don't blame her. The lift in the building. <laughs> I, I don't blame I No, I don't either. I don't either. I actually feel kind of bad. The lift in this building is old and rickety. It hasn't been updated in a very long time and has likely been here as long as the building. It's big, clunky buttons stared back at me as I glared at them, hoping for some sort of answer or clue, and my heart thumped and I was overcome with a feeling of dread, but nothing came of it. It was hopeless. I stepped inside the lift, rode it up and down the few floors, searched the entire perimeter with the phone torch for anything I could find. I found nothing. Jamie had completely disappeared. Oh, my heart's breaking for Sobbing. Her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm the same. Sobbing and exhausted, I rode back to floor 7 and turned my key to flat 42, the perfect home that felt like anything but home at this point. I sat at the cheap flat-packed dining table we'd managed to put together on move-in day, and I cried, my hands shaking as I held my phone. I was flitting between reading all your comments and contemplating calling the police for an hour, but I decided to call my friend Georgia instead. I needed a real person here. Things were going so crazy, and I wasn't sure the police would be able to help with what little information I had, but I knew I needed to sound it out with someone. Good girl. I don't know. I feel like if you call the police and get them to stand in the elevator at 3.33 a.m., something will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spare the details again, but I told her everything. She promised she'd be with me in the late morning. She had to take her younger brother to school. I waited anxiously, not before arming every room exactly as advised. Before I knew it, I looked at the clock and it was 8.23. I had around a half an hour until the postman was due to show up. There was no way I was missing him today. I stood by the door looking vacantly at the wood like someone in a film who was possessed. The exhaustion was really setting in, but Jamie was all I could think of. Pure adrenaline was keeping me standing. At 8.52, I opened the door. The next two minutes were the longest of my life, but when I saw him, a wave of relief swept my entire body. Right on cue, 8.54, the postman, Ian Flanders, stood in front of me, a smile that barely hid his concern, covering his younger-than-expected face. He didn't look old enough to have been a postman for over 35 years, but I was too distracted by the answers that I needed from him to care. Let me read him. You read girl. Okay. How about, how about that? Sure. You read girl. I read in like girl. Every right. situation. <laughs> Let's gender you the shit be. out of this. <laughs> you are girl now. <laughs> you must be the new tenant. 
he stated, but in a way that it sounded like a question. I struggled with my answer, so I got straight to the point. Miss Hemmings left me a note. She said to speak to you if... Can I come in, dear? I think we need to chat. The understatement of the century. (laughs) (laughs) I ushered Ian in, my hands still shaking as I flapped them in the direction of the sofa, gesturing for him to sit down. I shoved the now slightly crumpled note into his lap and waited. I'm glad Prue still thinks that highly of me. I will miss that old girl, he said with a coy smile as he reached the end of the note. Can you help me or not? (laughs) I had no time for his ego trip over a moved on neighbor. Good girl. I like this girl. (laughs) Like a lot. (laughs) I can help, but... I can't stop for so long, so I'll have to be quick. I've walked these halls delivering the post for 40 years. I've seen it all, everything Prue's mentioned and more. What do you need to know? He said. Ian was nothing like I expected. The note made me feel like he was going to be a kindly old granddad type figure, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Postman Ian spoke with a thick city accent and wore a heavy gold chain around his tattooed neck. He had dyed his graying hair boot polished black. His demeanor was thankfully non-threatening, but extraordinarily cocky. He was sort of a man I imagined in a betting shop rubbing his grubby hands on notes as he bragged over a win. He didn't ask as he lit a cigarette in my living room. I didn't question it. We would usually smoke outside, but I was going to argue over technicalities, so I grabbed a bowl for the ash and lit one too. Yeah, I don't blame her. Let's start with the things in the lift. My boyfriend is missing, and he took the lift at quarter past three over 24 hours ago. We hadn't got this note yet. I haven't heard from him since. I need to get him back. I barked at him as if louder I spoke, the more I could influence his answer. But nothing prepared me for what he had to say. His skin turned pale, and his harsh-looking face became more sympathetic as he explained. He's dead, love. Forget about him now. Only one person has ever come back from the lift, and at that time of night, and it was Prue herself. After witnessing it, those creatures ripping their victim apart, poor Prue was traumatized. Your boy is gone. Let go and follow the rules. He was blunt, but I could tell that he felt very sorry for me. There must be something I can do. I pleaded. There are things I've heard to bring back those who are lost, but I've never seen solid proof they work. It would be irresponsible of me to tell you something that night might... Something that might get you killed too. So it's nice here, honest, to just get over him and live the status quo. I'm sorry to sound so harsh. I, I don't mean to, but you seem like a decent young lady, and I don't want to see you go too soon. I asked him about what Miss Hemmings had seen in the lift and if they had sure it happened to all who entered, and I refused to believe that Jamie was dead. There had to be something I could do, and if I knew what I was dealing with, I could be better prepared. It was awful what happened. I wasn't there, but this is what I was told. Little Lila was such a cute kid, she used to open the door and give me a tip when I delivered the post. She was Prue's granddaughter. Lila was her son's little girl, and that night she was staying over for the first time. Prue finally felt confident that she could protect Lila from all the strange things that happened here. Ah, Prue. She was wrong. Little Lila had a problem with sleepwalking. 
She took a trip into the hallway at half one in the morning. Prue took a little too long to notice the sound she had heard from the front door. By the time she reached the lift, she saw the creatures dragging Lila's limbs away from her body. She tried to fight them, even killed one, but she couldn't save the little girl. I was hysterical, imagining Jamie's fate. What are the creatures? Have you ever actually seen them? I asked. No one really knows what they are, love. There's something to do with the building and all its quirks. No one's ever seen them elsewhere. We don't know where they came from. They're just here. I've seen them a few times over the years, usually when the neighbors have left biscuits down for their cats and dogs, haven't disposed of food waste properly. Curious little creatures. Mostly harmless out of the hours Prue warned you about, but if they're fed, they can become quite viscous looking. <laughs> I think it's vicious. Vicious, yeah. Looking for more food. That's why you have to bin all your scraps or hide them or pack them or whatever. Just don't leave them out and don't use the lift at those times and you're safe from the creatures. They're a little smaller than humans, but they're in similar in shape. They come with grotesque rodent-like features and are far larger than any rodent could be. Like rodent children, I suppose. They have two sharp rows of teeth per jaw and are consistently hungry. When they eat, they crunch down in a violent and disgusting way, dripping spittle everywhere. Prue said that she could hear her granddaughter's bones shatter in their jaws. He went pale at the thought of it, but continued. When they first arrived in the buildings, there were hundreds. It caused a pandemonium amongst the residents. We, left, we lost the residents of more than 30 of the individual homes, but the residents fought back and managed to kill all but the strongest minority of them. The creatures left over were incredibly dangerous and seemingly impossible to eradicate, so the residents struck a deal. A deal that they will be left unharmed and allowed to live in the building in return for the residents' safety at all times. But if anyone wanders into the lift between 1.11 and 3.33 a.m., they are fair game. This time frame is the period the creatures are at their most frenzied, and restricting them to, lift to the lift was safer for all parties. God help anyone who encounters them in those hours. They've been here ever since, claimed lots of unsuspecting people avoiding the stairs, but nothing like when they first arrived. A few got put down for not holding up their end of the bargain, but we haven't had an incident outside the lift in years. Count yourself lucky that you missed that crisis. Everything here is pretty peaceful right now. I'm sorry about your boyfriend. I really have to go. I'm late for my round. He scrawled his phone number on a bit of paper and handed it to me. Mm, uh, emergencies only. I don't like to be bothered. You can't go. The note said you would help me. I exclaimed. And I will, he snapped back. When there's something I can help with. I can't resurrect your boyfriend. And I don't like to be late delivering the post. I'll see you soon, love. I was in shock. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I couldn't believe he was leaving me after the information overload and the small ray of hope he had lit inside me and then squashed. 
I'll call the police. I shouted, desperate to feel as if I was solving this somehow. Eh, you can try that if you want, Ian sighed as he opened the door to leave. It just aggravates the creatures. It's not going to bring your boy back. Mr. Prentice hates it when police come, too. If you want to get any sleep in the next week, then I'd avoid it. Wait a week, report him missing, and learn to adapt to life here, love. Or you'll be dead in days. And with that, he shut the door behind him. I opened it again. I had so, so much more to ask. But he was gone. No sign of him anywhere in the corridor. We got a ghost mailman. Yep, we definitely have a ghost mailman. A ghost mailman. An admit, a seemingly his dated wardrobe. Ghost his dated mailman. way of talking. Yeah, with what? Sorry. I said his dated wardrobe and dated way of talking. Yeah, I mean he's got some tattoos, I guess, on his neck and everything. Like that's kind of hot. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was me losing my mind. I might be imagining all these things, but no matter how much I willed it, the note was still there, and Jamie still wasn't. Georgia arrived not long after Ian had left. I, of course, asked if she had seen him in the corridor to try and affirm to myself that he was real, but she hadn't. She looked at me worried and held me as I sobbed and told her what the postman had said about Jamie and the creatures. I wasn't sure she believed me. Even as she read the note, she looked skeptical. If she was skeptical, I wouldn't have blamed her. But she had always been supportive. She sat with me for hours while I just sobbed, heartbroken. I was so conflicted as to what to do. It felt insane that I hadn't contacted anybody, but this note had turned out to be accurate so far, and the postman was to be trusted, then I should just wait. Georgia had been my best friend for many years. She stuck up for me when I was too scared to do it for myself, and had always been the brave one of the two of us. I felt safe around her, so after hours of crying and despairing at the way my life had changed in a matter of days, I finally decided to take a nap. It was early evening and Georgia was watching some TV just there for me if I needed her. Thanks, and despite Georgia. the deprivation, yeah, it's what friends should do. Despite the deprivation, I struggled to fall asleep. I tried to imagine Jamie's arms around me, but it became a more painful reminder than that they probably never will be again. Eventually, after what felt like an eternity of staring at the damp patch on the ceiling, I drifted off. About three hours ago, I woke up staring at the goddamn damp patch on the ceiling and could hear chatting in the living room. I jumped out of bed and walked towards it. Georgia was on the sofa with a middle-aged looking woman, oh, Georgia. both nursing a cup of tea in the matching mugs that Jamie had got me as a move-in present. My blood boiled, but it wasn't their fault. I cleared my throat to get their attention. Oh, Katie. Oh. Her name's Katie. All right, great. We've got her name. This is Natalia. She lives upstairs. We got chatting, so I made her a cup of tea. I hope you don't mind. I looked at the dark-haired woman on the sofa, drinking tea from my cup and nodded. Georgia was a sociable idiot with no understanding of when to not be herself. <laughs> I wasn't going to lament her for it right now. It was her coping. Of course. Hi, Natalia. What flat do you live in? <laughs> I tried my very best to be polite. I would have to discuss not bringing people into my home mid-tragedy with Georgia after she hadn't left, but until then I would be neighborly. 
Flat 71. Uh, it's so nice to meet you. You have a lovely home. Natalia responded, her lips curled at the corners into a smile that wasn't replicated in her eyes or the rest of her facial expression. She looked at me smugly, smugly, with full knowledge that I was aware of the implications of what she had just said. Uh, the rules. <laughs> the flat number. <laughs> oh, every now and again, someone will knock at your door claiming to live in one of these flats and ask to borrow some sugar. They will seem entirely average, but you must shut and lock the door immediately. I installed two extra bolts to avoid these fuckers. I don't like to swear at my age, but they really are fuckers. Fuck. Oh, Prue's warning echoed in my mind, and I couldn't take my eyes off Natalia. Something was really off about her. I looked at Georgia and sat on the sofa next to her and noticed her sweating. Anyone in the UK knows that it's hot here for a few days, but this was beyond just ambient temperature. Her embody, her entire body, was dripping. Suddenly, she began to pant. Natalia's eyes were locked to mine, just like the window cleaners had been. Nothing happened before with the cleaner except the time the rule had been broken. She was already in the flat. Georgia started to scream as her skin blistered and charred, and her hair fell from her scalp as the skin flaked and melted away from every inch of her. She was being burned alive without a flame in sight. She scratched frantically at her own melting face, digging into the exposed raw flesh the sound a person makes when they burn alive is like no other that will never leave me i screamed and screamed but no one came to my door i tried to grab my phone to call postman ian but the wooden surface i had set it down on burned my fingers to the touch and forced me to recoil she was going to set the whole flat alight my actions need to be quicker than a phone call. I grabbed the hold of a larger knife I had set down on the side earlier when weaponizing. The handle blistered my fingers instantly, but I didn't care. I needed to get her out of here now and help Georgia if I could. I ran towards the dark-haired lady, sweat dripping from my brow the closer I got, and plunged the knife into Natalia's throat. Good girl! She gripped it and fell to the floor, and she didn't bleed like a normal human. Her insides were black. She was still moving, and I figured it probably wouldn't be long before she stood right back up and tried again, so I dragged her into the hallway, ready to bolt the door. And as we reached the entrance of the corridor, one of the cats was waiting, hissing at her semi-conscious body. I caught her eyes fixate on it as I dumped her on the floor. I grabbed the cat, pulled him inside, wincing as its skin caused more burns up my lower arms, shut the door, and watched the people. She got up and held her hand to the wound, cauterizing it and walking off towards Ooh. the lift as if she hadn't been injured at all. Gross. I mean, I'm surprised I'm surprised she fucking stabbed her in the throat. Yeah. yeah so that's that's going from zero to sixty in three point five. <laughs> I mean, honestly though, I get it. Like she she said, Alright, fuck you, like we're going. <laughs> and when you think about it, if you have like a clear path, I feel like the throat is gonna be one of the easier and more deadly totally. 
places, you know what I mean? Like if You also have your friend screaming in front of you and don't know what to do and know it's being caused by this person. I, yeah. Right, and I mean... Probable cause. I, I definitely... Yeah, I mean, oh God, I, I definitely think there's some demon shit happening there because that's like beyond a ghost to me, at least. Uh, yeah, there's something more about how that manifests uh, and how she was able to be stabbed. Um, it didn't seem to bother I, her much, but it did stop her, so. True. It stunned her. Yeah, exactly. It was a flesh wound. I had dropped the cat by that point, but every bit of naked skin it had touched throbbed and burned for at least an hour. Georgia hadn't been as lucky as Natalia with injury recovery. I anonymously called an ambulance for her. I couldn't believe it, what, but she was still breathing. She was badly burned, and her life wouldn't be the same again, but she was alive. And for that, I was grateful. Uh, yeah, I would feel like a piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I would feel really fucking shitty oh about having someone come into this situation completely Like, out completely of depth. blind. Yeah, she had no <laughs> idea. Completely out of depth. You know well, no, what, she though? had some idea. She read through it. You're right, though. Yeah, no, now that I'm thinking about it, she did read the fucking note. Like, she read it with her. But she should have. She should have taken that shit seriously. But she should have taken it more seriously. And I she think. didn't. I mean, like, it's not a 100% her fault, but, like, okay, yeah. See, I was about to be like, oh, how sad, but now I'm, like, a little annoyed because I'm like, Georgia. You read the fucking note, and you decided that you were gonna. Play. No one deserves to be burned alive. No, though. absolutely not. But you also that's, played that's, a stupid the game. The punishment does not match. No. Yeah, I, I I agree. Play stupid games to get stupid answers or, or stupid consequences, whatever you're gonna say to finish that. But like, uh, I don't know. Like her hair fell out and her skin's all burned. Yeah, it's all <laughs> fucked up. I see for me I think I don't know I guess it's just because if I was Georgia right because I am the social person like if someone knocks at my door and is like hey do you want to oh, chat sure. I would like I 100% would be like yeah sure okay hee <laughs> hee like you know because I'm an idiot so like, <laughs> no I, 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 I do I do too it's a hospitality thing yeah so I get it but also at the same time if I, if my friend was like hey I'm in this new flat there are all these weird things that have happened and my boyfriend is missing and no one's heard from him for days here's a weird note with tons of shit I would be like I'd be like, we need to leave. <laughs> I'd be Georgia, like, what are we still doing here? Right? And like, if anyone's knocking at my door after I read that note, you better believe I'm deadbolting that shit. Like, I'm, oh, sure. I'm sorry, but as long as I was there, I would be like... I'm installing like every type of like camera that I can. Right? Me with a... I'm going to have a security system hooked up to my laptop. Me sitting in a rocking chair with the shotgun pointed at the door. Like, nope. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> Anyways, it's, Georgia's It dead. sounds awful. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, RIP, probably. Okay, yeah, she's not dead yet. I mean, me. she's not dead yet, but she doesn't sound great. Yeah, it does not sound great. It sounds awful, but I left her at the park across the road from the building with no phone or ID. She's my best friend, and I want to be there, but if I own up to involvement in injuries, they'll be bad. They'll, yeah, that are bad. Will. They'll suspect me. They and will. I'll lose, already lose the slim chance that Jamie might be savable. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean I don't care about Georgia, but she's alive. I won't believe Jamie until I, I won't believe Jamie is gone until I see it. So now I'm alone again in the flat, conflicted about what to do. I want to leave so badly, but this was mine and Jamie's first home together. 
if he's alive and I can save him, then I want it to be here for him to come back to. And if he's dead and the postman is right, then I don't know if I can leave his memory behind. There's only one person I could think of that can help me right now. So tonight I'm going to do some research to hunt down an address. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to visit Prudence Hemmings. Okay, hold on a second. I, I received a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> we are moving into part three. Fuck yeah, we are. We're going we're gonna to hunt down Prudence Hemmings and try to get some fucking answers. Mm -hmm, get some part three. Part three is called Today I Finally Met Her. I didn't get much sleep last night either. The lack of sleep is making me wonder whether all these things happening are in my mind or not. But I'm reminded every time I see that damn note that it's all real. I spent hours last night searching for anything I could about Prudence Hemmings. If she lived in a big creepy mansion, I imagine she would have been easy to find. But us folk who live in tower blocks aren't so well documented. No one cares about our lives, no matter how extraordinary. I found an article about missing person Lila Hemmings. It suggested that she went missing under the care of her grandmother while playing in the park opposite the flats early in the morning. Interviews with her parents stated that they had both disowned Prudence. Aww. Honestly, if I was that kid's mom, like... I, I mean, I wouldn't have a kid in that environment, though. That's my thing. Like, that's but my Prudence thing. should have known better. Right, it's just like, like literally anything can happen there. That's like a terrible idea. You really shouldn't have anybody visit, honestly. Like if you're gonna live there, like no one's ever visiting you. Ever. Yeah, you should leave and go places. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm kind of like, did the parents know and let her stay with no. Prudence? There's or, no way. Like, that's my thing. I feel like, because I feel they like They wouldn't any, knowingly put their kids in that. In that dangerous of an environment? Yeah, that's my thing. Like, like if it were me and I knew that my mom was living in an apartment building full of, like, demons or whatever, you better believe that my kids would never be fucking visiting. Yeah. Sorry, Mom, you're coming to me, if, assuming you're in one piece still. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the many years that have passed since Lila's death slash disappearance, her parents appeared to have remained unforgiving of crew. There was no mention of her on either of their social media accounts, and she appeared to have no involvement with the children they had acquired since. <laughs> That's such a funny word. <laughs> acquired. Like, yes, we found them. Like antiques. They're like, oh, this one just matched the living room so well. <laughs> Searches for the Hemmings family in the local area were equally dead ends, but I looked at link after link, desperate to find something, but they all started to blur into one until I finally saw something. An obituary for Bernard Bernie Hemmings, who had fallen from the tower block in unexplained circumstances after being diagnosed with dementia months before his death. I was surprised it hadn't made bigger news. It had only been about a year. There were no details of where to find them, but his wife, Prudence, and her sister, Bridget, were listed as contacts to get to find out details of the funeral. It's scary what you can do with the internet these days, but just with those phone numbers, I was able to put them into a reverse directory and find an address for Bridget and Tony Bishop, the sister and brother-in-law that Prudence was supposedly living with. Around 4 a.m., I managed to get some sleep. Not much, though, and I was back up and wide awake around 7 a.m., planning my route and working out my day. I saw a post on social media from one of her relatives that Georgia was identified and is stable. This loosened the knot in my stomach that has been present since I found the note somewhat. At 8.50, I opened the door to my flat, hoping to see Postman Ian. Four minutes passed, and instead of the postman, an elderly gentleman made his way down the corridor. 
He had a walking stick and kind eyes. In his free arm, he carried a small plastic bag containing a newspaper and milk. He smiled and said good morning as he passed. I'm thinking that's, um... The, the werewolf? The not the werewolf. werewolf? Yeah. I smiled back. He reminded me of my granddad. I imagined him pulling cola cubes from his pocket for his grandkids and shushing them when their parents weren't looking. A little further down the corridor, the old man stopped and turned. He looked me dead in the eyes with a sympathetic expression and spoke. No post on Sunday, if that's what you're waiting for. He smiled knowingly and turned to unlock a front door that, until shut, I couldn't see the number of. When I saw the door close and the number 48 boldly displayed above the peephole, I understood what Prudence had meant. Mr. Prentice did seem to be a lovely chap. I sat back in my flat and sighed, staring at the various tabs open on my laptop. At about 9.15, the knocking on the balcony door started. The window cleaner was back. Fuck this guy. Literally fuck this guy. I hate him. Like... Open the door, stab him in the neck with a knife. Literally. <laughs> it worked the other time, it'll work again. I d- it'll work again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel Or will it? Or will it? <laughs> I didn't feel half as terrified as I had the first time. If anything, I was just angry. It took every ounce of restraint I had in my tired body not to engage with him, if only to tell him to fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to re- resist telling him to fuck off. No, no way. <laughs> His genuine seeming request just irritated me. After about 20 minutes of being watched, the knocking started to give me a headache, so I grabbed a bag and left the flat. I decided there was no time like the present. If I'm going to turn up on the bishop's doorstep looking for her sister because of the freaky flat she's left behind, then I had to get it over with. If the address was old or the bishops weren't the people I was looking for, then I was going to look stupid no matter what time of the day I went. I couldn't take the- and I couldn't take the window cleaner's eyes anymore. There was something about them. They really do make you want to open that door. <laughs> I look. It's giving like some fairy bullshit. Like, oh yeah, like you know, like, like a vampire yeah, glamour. Yes, let me yeah. eat your food. We're best friends, and now you're in hell. Like, um, I watched this show called From. Have you heard of it? We'll say it one more time. From F R O M. No. Um. Never watched. Uh, really good. It's about, it's like a no sleep story. Um, anyone from all over the country, when you get lost on back roads, you can end up in from. And it's this dilapidated town from the seventies. And once you're in there, you can't leave. Every road leads back to from. Right. And like some um, silent hill shit. Yeah. People have been stuck there for years. The show begins with two new cars arriving there at the same time right. which is almost never happened in the sh- in, in the town's history so it's like a it's like a big thing that people notice right and some people have been there for like i said like five years um managing to make a life there um within from's boundaries and uh the one rule of from is uh you can't leave your house at nightfall and that's because things that look like people come up to your windows and ask to come inside. <laughs> and when you let them inside, they turn out to be nightmare monsters that eat you. And if they catch you outside, they eat you anyway. Man, um, that's bullshit. You g- give it a watch. It's pretty good. Um, it's called From. I believe it was on one, uh, one of these uh, paid-to-watch services from some random channel like fucking crackle or something 
Uh, it's not one of the big ones. It's a surprisingly good show for whatever provider it's on. But right. uh, highly recommend the guy who plays the town's sheriff is the black dude from Lost. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. And it has Lost vibes, 100%. I was about to say, why, it's giving Which lost. is why the guy is good at it. Which is why the guy's real, really good at it. Right. But yeah, um, when when these mystical, you know, monster creatures walk up to the windows, it's it's hypnotizing. Right. The way they talk, the way they look at you, the the way they the way they look. Right. Because so they just look like pale kind of normal people. Right. But then you get that Salem's Lot shit where you realize you're on the second floor and they're fucking floating. Yep, that's that's a no from me, buddy. Nope. Yep, no that's that's how I feel about the window cleaner. Yep. It's like, I would get as close as I could to the glass just to look into his eyes, and what I'd find there, prob I probably wouldn't like. I was about to say, and that would be enough for him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I looked at the lift as I entered the communal hallway and decided today I would take the stairs. I couldn't hey, stand don't blame to be... Her. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I couldn't stand to be in a small box that my partner probably died very painfully in. My heart dropped into my stomach just at the sight of it. The stairs were as grotty as the lift. We'd taken them multiple times on move-in day, but I hadn't really taken them in the same way that I could now. I thought about all the rules and the strange things happening in this building. I looked at the badly painted numbers on the wall as I reached this landing, each landing. Nothing in the building is simple. Seven. I looked at the numbers. Seven. Six. Five. Five, four, three, four, two, G. Maybe it was the sleep deprivation, but my legs were in agreement with my mind that I had definitely just descended more than six flights of stairs. They've glitched. <laughs> I looked at the dusty and poorly lit stairwell from the bottom. It seemed dark despite the sun pouring in from each glass panel in the main building doors. The note never mentioned glitchy stairs. Maybe I really was losing my mind. As I turned to exit the building, a woman walked in. She was in her late 30s to early 40s and had two small children in tow, one boy and one girl. I guess they were twins. They were both incredibly blonde with deep brown puppy dog looking eyes that couldn't have been any older than six to seven. They were as close to identical as it gets in twins of different genders. I'm not a fan of kids, but they were super cute. <laughs> That's their deceit. I was about to say, you can never trust twins, ever. I don't know what the fuck horror movies' obsessions are with twins or, like, horror media, but, yeah, if there's twins, just just leave. Yeah, and this is the woman that was in the note, the um, the one who leads the uh, the floor meeting. Oh, the, the, the shit, building meeting. you're right. The kids that can't be babysat. I forgot about her. The lady had a short blonde... Uh, a short bob haircut that got longer at the front. It was uniform and dyed perfectly, even auburn color. I knew it was dyed because her roots were blonde like her kids. She looked as tired as I felt, but she pulled herself together when she saw me, running fingers through a part of her hair that she must have missed however early she left this morning. Hi, are you visiting here? I think that's she opened with, trying to make small talk. No, I just moved into flat 42 on the seventh floor. I was just leaving, actually. Whereabouts are you? I was desperate to go. I had feared myself up to... I had geared myself up to see Prue, but I didn't want to be rude. I'm flat 26. My name's Terry. This is Eddie and Ellie. She gestured to the two small children hiding shyly behind her skirt. Welcome to the block. If you ever need anything, please feel free to give me a shout. My name is Katie, but people call me Cat, too. 
That's really nice of you. Thank you. I will. Hey, is there something wrong with the stairs? I stopped myself before going into detail. Nothing's wrong. They just skip sometimes. She answered, shrugging. <laughs> well, I'd love to stop and chat, but I actually really need to get going. It was nice to meet you, Terry. I tried to work out what's wrong with the children as I stepped forward to walk away, still baffled by the stairs. By the way, we have a residence committee. You should come to one of our meetings. They're every Tuesday in alternating flats. This Tuesday is at Molly Jefferson's place in flat 31. Come along. We'd love to have you. Terry suggested, waving me off. I walked out the doors after my encounter with Terry feeling sick. Every minute in this place made that note feel more real. Every word jumped off the page and into my life, made it more likely that Jamie was really gone. I rode the bus from a stop not far from the flats. It, took a, it felt like it took an eternity to reach the little suburban area that I was looking for. A five-minute walk away from the bus stop I got off at and I was staring at a quaint little bungalow belonging to Bridget and Tony Bishop. I knocked on the door. The lady who opened it was unsteady on her feet. She was probably in her 70s with wispy white hair neatly scraped back into a bun, two strands left hanging that just softened her wrinkled face. She wore a dusty rose-colored dress that hung just below her knees and smelled of stale cigarette smoke. Can I help you? She asked bluntly. My name is Kat. I'm looking for Prudence Hemmings. I answered, stuttering slightly. Her eyes widened. Why? She asked bizarrely. Is she here? It's private. The lady ushered me into the house and sat me down on the sofa. Within minutes, there was a cup of tea in front of me. She didn't say anything to me for a while. We just looked at each other. Then she finally broke the silence. I wondered if you'd try and find me. It took me a long time to decide whether to leave that note or not, but I decided that you deserved a head start. That's more than I ever got. The woman was Prudence. She was nothing like I had imagined. She seemed tough and hardened and spoke with a mostly blunt tone. She contributed before I could answer. Terry called me not long ago. Told me that she had met the new tenant. She said you looked shaken up and said that my note may not have been enough. I did say I couldn't fit everything on there and the stairs didn't seem too important. The committee wanted to organize a meeting with you on your moving in day, but I told them it was intrusive. The whole committee thing always seemed a bit excessive to me anyway. She spoke flippantly, like it was nothing. It may have been intrusive, but we needed a warning. We spent a night in the place before I found your note. My boyfriend had already left for work at 3.15 and taken the lift. He didn't know. I broke as I told her what had happened. Her face dropped, and so did my hope for Jamie. I'm so sorry. I really don't know what to say. I thought my note would reach you in time. She mumbled, her face to the floor, refusing to look at me as tears streamed down my face. He's gone, isn't he? I didn't want to accept it, but I spoke to the postman, and your face says all it needs to. The postman said there might be a way. I can have him back. I bit at her, devastated and angry. He's gone. You can't have him back. What Ian is referring to isn't what you think. There's a way to get people back from the lift, but not as themselves. Trust me, I learned the hard way. Once they're back, you can't reverse it. I'm, I'm sorry about your man, but... He's gone forever. 
don't dig into the other way to be gone forever is luckier than the alternative. She still wouldn't look up from the floor. What do you mean? Well, sometimes, sometimes I mean, uh, death, death is better. Is better. It is better. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, girl. That's I'm pet so cemetery s- for you. <laughs> I'm so sorry about your boyfriend, but Jesus Christ, don't try any necromancy. It never goes well. <laughs> Practical Magic had a whole movie about that. It was bad. <laughs> It was bad. It was bad. Nicole Kidman got haunted. Haunted as fuck. I don't want to talk about it. I said in the note that there are things I'd rather not discuss, and I need you to respect that, or I won't be speaking to you at all. Now move on and ask what you need to ask. Damn. Prudence cut me off. I decided not to push the topic further and moved on to some other things I needed to know. What's the deal with Terry's kids? They seem sweet and normal. Those little demon creatures are anything but normal. She answered, wincing slightly at the thought of them. Uh, When she went into labor, Terry never made it to a hospital. Oh, God. They were the first children ever to be born inside the building, and with everything that goes on, it's like something's rubbed off on them. They're average children in the daytime, but they never sleep, ever. Poor Terry hasn't had a day's rest since they were born. They also really love to steal birds and rats. They can, they find the cats playing with and torment them. Really annoys the cats. <laughs> As she finished speaking, a small hairless cat strutted out from behind an armchair across the room, meowing softly. It brushed its head up against Prue's exposed legs, leaving scorch marks where it touched. She didn't react. She reached down and stroked the top of its head, smiling as it purred. And those, I asked, eyes now stuck to her badly burned legs. She chuckled and pulled out a box and lit a cigarette, tapping the top layer of ash into a small silver dish in front of her. She offered me one and I took it gladly. They've always been my good friends. I couldn't leave the building without bringing a part of home with me. This little guy is Damon. He's seen some things. She gushed, not taking her eyes off the cat. But where did they come from, and why are they everywhere, I asked, watching in disbelief as her burn subsided. It seemed impossible, but I looked at my arms where I had picked up the cat the night before, and there was no evidence it had ever happened. They didn't even look sunburnt. No one really knows. They started to appear after the fire, which you had guessed, I'm pretty sure. A few years after I'd moved in... It was rumored that they were the pets of the residents that burned and that they were why they had no fur, but I don't think that that's true. I interrupted. I met one of those neighbors last night. She said her name was Natalia. She almost killed my best friend. You're crazy if you think your note was enough of a warning, I ranted emotionally. Look, girl, if I had made a song and dance about warning you, then you'd have thought me crazy and challenged the rules. You'd have been dead already. Be grateful you got anything. I didn't. I had to work it all out. Your generation is so spoiled. (laughs) Damn. The only time I might agree with (laughs) a boomer booming. (laughs) (laughs) She tutted in frustration at me. I was angry, but she was probably right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) An elderly lady telling me rat-like creatures would kill my boyfriend in a lift would probably have gotten some laughs from me a few days ago. 
I stayed quiet and waited for her to calm down. After a while, she sighed and started again. I think the cats are the neighbors that burned. I think the cats are the, the neighbors, neighbors that, that burned. burned. Oh. They've never meant any harm, and they hiss and run from the imposters that roam the building. Besides, there's no way there were that many cats living on one floor. Yeah. The imposter people don't even match up with the residents that died in the fire. None of them look like or claim to have the same name as the dead. They just claim to have lived in their flats. I've met Natalia before. She left a bad scar on Bernie's leg from an incident we had. Nasty girl. Before the fire, there was CCTV and there was a recording saved of about 15 people marching into the flats and up to the floor about a half an hour before the fire started. It was the only evidence found. CCTV wasn't great in the 80s, so they were never identified. And the flames melted the relevant cameras, so nothing ever came of it. I think the people that entered that night are the ones that ask for sugar. I don't know any more than that, but if you avoid them like I said, you don't need to know more. They hate the cats. I hope your friend survives, but I've seen what those people can do, so maybe she was better off dead. Crew carried on stroking Damon. I watched the skin of her fingers melt and twist as they made contact with him. What happened to your husband? I asked the question so fast I didn't have time to consider this was a topic she had explicitly said she didn't want to discuss in the note, but I had to know. She scowled at me. I said I didn't want to talk about it. She hissed. I just lost the love of my life. I need some answers, I begged. What happened to Bernie won't help you. I know you'd think any deaths in that building would be down to the quirks, but that wasn't it. For the most part, anyway. Don't forget that we lived there for 35 years. Bernie knew the rules. We knew how to take care of ourselves and have a happy life there. It was our home. I don't doubt that, Mrs. Hemmings. I'm sorry, I interjected. Bernie had dementia. It started about six months before he died, and he deteriorated very rapidly. Toward the end, he started wandering. The doctor said it was common, but in our position, it was incredibly dangerous. More times than I can count, I pulled him away from the lift just in time. Along with wandering, he was forgetting the rules. He let that smug, awful window cleaner in three times. Thank Lord for the big metal pipe I kept on the balcony door. Chased him out a treat. Not that anything stops him from coming back. I'm sure you've already acquainted. After all the dangerous situations Bernie was in, by the end he made the smallest and most fatal of errors. He left a bowl of food out for Damon at 10 a.m. I was out shopping with Terry and a few of the girls from the committee when I came back and found one of those awful creatures. Prudence started to cry. I put my hand on her shoulder in an attempt to comfort her. After all, I truly knew how she felt. It was eating him. She, sniff she sniffed and steadied herself to continue moving my hand. I chased the creature away with the same metal pipe I had the window cleaner and pushed Bernie off the balcony. 
he was heavy, but I didn't want anyone to know what really killed him. It's teeth. She shivered. They made such an awful noise. It reminded me of... Lila, I finished her sentence. I hadn't meant to. I was so invested in her story, I couldn't help it. I gather you spoke with Ian, then. She sounded. She said, sounding resigned. I never meant to hurt that little girl. I loved her so much. Tears rolled down her wrinkled cheeks. Damon, who now sat next to her on the sofa, shuffled closer as if to cuddle her. Haven't you ever been curious about getting her back, I asked, my mind turning back to the methods hinted at by both Prue and the postman. I miss Jamie so much. I'd do anything to get him back. Her face filled with a look of horror and shame. Of course I have, she answered. Which is exactly why I'm telling you not to. But I couldn't let it go. Surely anything must be better than gone forever, I pestered. I wish I hadn't. Prudence, frustrated, stood up and gestured for me to follow. She led me outside to the back garden of the bungalow. At the back was a large shed, the kind people used for a man cave or a summer house. It was pretty. The sun shone down on it, lighting up a few cobwebs in the corners and making them twinkle. Mrs. Hemmings was careful to look into both neighboring gardens to ensure there was no one around before she unlocked the door to the shed. We stepped inside and the first thing to hit me was the smell. It was putrid, like rotting meat. I looked at the floor and covered my nose with my hands. Staring back at me was a pool of blood. I followed the blood with my eyes as Prudence locked us in the shed. And then after I made it past the animal bones, I finally saw it. Just like the postman Ian had described. One of the creatures was watching me from a heavy-duty metal dog cage in the corner of the shed. It looked reinforced, but the metal still had chew marks. Their jaws had to be strong to cause that. It didn't surprise me looking at it. Its rodent-like nose and beady, yet somehow human eyes were nothing compared to the two very visible rows of jagged, sharp teeth that lined each gum. Despite its small stature, it was terrifying. Prudence opened a drawer in a dusty cupboard across the room and pulled out a can of dog food. She poured the contents into the bowl and passed the bowl through the feeding hatch. The cage had its safety feature, meaning the animal couldn't access the food until the hatch was locked from the outside. I was grateful for this. Prue turned to me and spoke. She brushed one of the two strands of hair framing her face behind her ear. Gesturing at the hideous creature, she said, Cat, I would like to introduce you to my granddaughter, Lila. Oh. <laughs> that is pretty much the reaction to have. <laughs> oh. This is this story is great though. Like side note, I am like I am fucking riveted. <laughs> I am glad we are a little more than halfway there. I think we're finishing on 6 and we just hit 4. Yep. So we have a little bit a little bit more. So we're on part um, 4. Yeah, I, I really like it too. I like the um the intrigue, the mystery, the characters. Everything's pretty accurate to I think how people would actually react, which yes. I can appreciate. Yes. Um there's there's a reaction to trauma sometimes in horror that doesn't like match feel culpable. Right. You know? No, I and, totally agree. And this one is is nailing it. I'd say like like um Prudence has the the perfect level of jilt. Yes. 
for for what she went through. And I'm also, I just want to say, I'm glad that she was like, fine, you really want to fucking know, I will show you because she... Here's my, yeah, here's how Jamie can come back. You want this? Have fun. Exactly. Because like so many, I feel like one of the tropes that I don't like in horror stuff is that they're like, well, I'm not going to tell you what happened. And then the main character is like, well, then it can't be that bad. And then they do it. You know what I mean? And it's like... Or but- even worse, the other side of that where they go... Well, I'm going to tell you everything, but I really recommend you don't do it. It's like handing someone a loaded gun and asking them not to shoot. Right, exactly. You know? it, that's just as aggravating in my head. Right. I just like I just appreciate it because like I feel like a lot of the times it, with this trope, like if they had just fucking told the character what would what would happen in the first place, the character's like, "Oh yeah, that's a bad idea. I'll never do that." But when they're like Oh, 100%. When, when they're like, "Ooh, I'll never tell. <laughs> but it's really bad, trust me. Like it's just Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just Why? Like, I just don't. Trust just me. Don't. Like fuck you. Tell me why or else. That's literally how like every horror movie starts. Literally, it is. It's nice to see that not happening. <laughs> don't here. do it. Trust me. Right, just no. trust me. <laughs> Part four. Last night, my survival was threatened. No shit. Last night? What was happening? Every day. What was happening these other nights? Every day I'm threatening. I was in complete shock looking at it, at her. Prudence had a facial expression filled with guilt, and now I knew the truth. I could see it. The creature was exactly how Ian described except with wavy ginger hair and sadness in its beady eyes. The abomination was Lila. This was how Prudence had brought her back, and this was the only way I could ever see Jamie again. A risk I wasn't going to take. After days of disbelief, the reality finally hit me like a ton of bricks. Jamie was dead, and he wasn't coming back. Why did you do this? I asked, my voice shaking with horror, and Prudence scowled at me, trying to mask her shame. I didn't want this. If you think this was my aim, then you're sicker than I am. I just wanted my granddaughter back. When she died, a part of me died, and my son blamed me. His wife blamed me, and although he never said it, I could see it in Bernie's eyes that he did too. I'd pushed for her to stay. I wanted to spend more time with her. I got cocky about my ability to cope with the strange occurrences in the flats. I know what you must be thinking, but I swear I didn't know about the sleepwalking until it was too late. We had moved into the flat not long after my son left home to move in with his girlfriend. He's the youngest of three and was the last to fly the nest, so we downsized for the two of us. He never knew what we were facing in that flat or the dangers that he sent his little girl into. So that answers the question we had earlier. A hundred percent. Yeah, so it's, it is a hundred percent her fault. Sorry, Prudence. Like, whether or not you knew about... <laughs> Sorry, Prudence. I'm very sympathetic to her. I think she's a really good character, but God damn But she, she did it. That, yeah. was, that was so dumb, Bestie. Whether or not she sleepwalks, she's a kid. Kids don't take anything seriously. In this type of situation, I almost feel like there's like... If I'm inviting a kid into this situation, I'm like in the room with her at all times. Right. Like you need to like that. You need a leash. like A bell, uh, uh, you know. Right. (laughs) A collar with a little dingly bell on it. Exactly. 
or a bracelet, sorry to be less <laughs> less animalistic about it. When it happened, it was a few years after the fire and the troubles with the creatures. We'd struck the deal with the things in the lift. The neighbors of the burned flats had just become a fixture, just like the other quirks. I really thought she would be safe. Prudence paused to gaze longingly at the mutated little girl in the cage. The creature just twitched. In return, it barred its four rows of it it bared its four rows of teeth and made a gentle hiss. But how how did you do this? I stopped her with more urgency this time, looking at the rat Lila in disbelief. I had to get answers out of her fast. I didn't want to spend any more time than was absolutely necessary in this shed. The gardener helped me. She answered, her voice trembling. Who the fuck is the gardener? I grew more impatient with every new confusion she threw at me. The last thing I needed was something new and potentially malevolent in the mix. I didn't mention him in my note because he's been gone for over 20 years. He'll be of no concern to you, so don't worry. His damage is in the past now. Around the time Lila went missing, the council granted planning permission for the tower block next door. But before that was built, the land it sits on acted as a communal garden for hours, and the neighboring tower block on the other side. It had a regular gardener named Derek, who you would often see tending the flower beds out front. Derek was one of the first people I met when I moved in. Like I said, I had to work it all out for myself, and the first time the window cleaner came to the balcony, I naturally reached to let him in and offer a cup of tea. As my hand applied pressure to the handle to open the balcony door, there was a knock at my front door. I made a gesture to the cleaner to indicate that I would only be a minute and answered. And there was Derek. He stopped me and told me not to let the man in, that I would be making a huge mistake. I thought he sounded crazy, and I told him so, and after a while of arguing, I got up to reboil the kettle and let the man in, and Derek grabbed my hands and shouted at me to not look at the man outside. And when I turned to look, there was no man outside, but a monster. He was tall and impossibly thin, flesh and bones, but somehow thinner than bones, with graying skin stretched over them. He had eyes that seemed to be so deep-set they went on forever, like the blackest cave you can imagine, saliva dripping down from his mouth and landing on my balcony floor, some sliding down the glass panel of the door. I opened my mouth to scream, but as I did, Derek let go of my hands and the monster was gone. In its place was that smug friendly man begging for a drink while he cleans the windows. Man, fuck that guy. Derek. Thanks, Fucking Derek. Derek. It took me a minute to process it, but I know what I'd seen. That was the real window cleaner. I never intentionally opened or tried to open the door for him again. That day, Derek didn't stay long. He didn't tell me about the window cleaner or what it is or why he visits every few days. He didn't explain anything about the weird things that go on. As much as Derek was a part of the strange happenings, he was like one that had been carved from light. He said that he'd always been around when I needed him, 
and that it was his job to look after the residents just like the flower beds. Over the years he appeared a few times, he was instrumental in striking a deal with the creatures, and when the neighbors died in the fire, he created a special display for them in the garden and made sure that nothing was planted was poisonous to the cats as soon as they arrived. He also stopped on an imposter, stopped an imposter from killing Bernie at our front door. He seemed like such a good thing for the residents, always there to help, to offer some gentle advice or a creative solution, someone to be trusted. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Derek. He changed when they granted planning permission for the other block, though. He knew his garden would be dug up to lay foundation and his use redundant. He became grumpy and bitter over time, but no one paid enough attention to notice, especially not when my tragedy struck. When Lila died, I was devastated. Derek appeared to me as I sat on a bench in the garden crying. He offered to help me to use the garden to get her back, and I snapped at him. I told him it was his fault, that he should have been there when it happened to stop them. He worked so hard on the agreement with the creatures. He spent a lot of time with them. Lila broke the rule, and he had to allow them to do what had been agreed, he said. He couldn't have stopped them, but he wanted to help make things right. I understood why he hadn't intervened, but I couldn't accept it. I lashed out at him. I'm embarrassed to say I actually slapped the poor man along with stamping on his freshly planted flower bed. I was angry and grieving. I quickly burnt myself out and collapsed into a blabbering heap on the floor. Derek attempted to comfort me, but his mind was on his garden. He said he was sorry for my loss, but I shouldn't have attacked the flower bed. That he'd always been nice to me and I should be kinder in return. I snapped and told him that it didn't matter because it was all about the bull it was all about to be bulldozed in the next few days anyway. Damn bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I should have taken more note of the way he twitched as I said that. He snapped. He said that he knew I was angry, but there was no need to take it out on him. If it was desperate to get Lila back, he knew a way. But it was dangerous. I begged anything I said. I would do anything. And he told me it was simple and that all I would have to do was enter the lift and offer the creatures some food while repeating the phrase Reviturture Mortuis during their frenzied hours. He said that there was no guarantee they wouldn't be crunching in on my bones before I even got the first word out, but that if I succeeded... I would have Lila back. Of course it was successful. There wasn't a creature in sight as I performed the ritual as instructed. I thought nothing happened at first. She didn't appear straight away, but a few days later I found her running around inside my house. She'd just taken a chunk out of Damon's ear with her teeth. I tried to kill her at first, but... Just as I was about to finalize it, I saw in her eyes who she was. I tried to look for Derek, but by that point the workmen had started. Nothing was left of the garden. 
and nothing was left of Derek. No one's seen him since. You see, Cat, nothing in that building is totally harmless. You have to be on your guard at all times. I've kept her like this ever since. You may think I'm crazy, but I couldn't kill my own granddaughter. I'm not a monster. Prue sighed and ushered me back out of the shed. She locked the door behind us, closing the padlock on her most hideous secret. I was exhausted. It was a lot of information to take in, and as a result of the information I'd received, real grief for my boyfriend was finally settling in. Every hope I had was dashed. I know many of you tried to tell me in the comments that he was gone, but I wanted you to be so wrong, so bad. I couldn't bear to look at Prudence Hemmings for another moment. I made my excuses and left, morosely riding the bus back to the tower block I had once been so excited to live in. It was mid-afternoon by the time I got home. The choice between the stairs and the lift didn't strike much enthusiasm into me, but I opted for the stairs, and after what I'm sure ended up being eleven flights, I made it to six flights up to my stairs to my flat. I laid on our mattress on the floor and sobbed for Jamie. I sobbed so hard my throat went dry and hurt, and my stomach cramped with each gasping breath. I sobbed myself to sleep. My body and mind must have given up fighting the rest, the need to rest and shut down. When I woke up, it was late, about 10 p.m. I wrote as much as my update as I could for you guys, hit post, and just sat at the dining table with my hand, my head in my hands. My whole life, oh, I'm reading like Prue, my whole life had fallen to shit and I knew it. I thought about so many things, questioned why they were happening to me. I searched social media for updates on Georgia, but there were none. Jamie wasn't super close with his family, but I knew it wasn't long before they'd start to worry. Everything I considered just snowballed in my mind. The loneliness in dealing with the situation was killing me. I decided to do something I usually wouldn't. I went downstairs and I knocked on door of flat 26. Terry answered. Her perfectly bobbed hair was a little unkempt and out of the place, but she had huge bags under her eyes and I could smell wine on her breath. Are you okay, Cat? She looked concerned. I found it ironic that she looked so dis disheveled. I'd forgotten it was me who came for help. I could barely speak. Don't worry. Prue called me. She told me everything. I'm I'm sorry about your boyfriend. It's a shame I never got to meet him. Terry stared back at me with the same expression a mother would, warm and understanding. Would you like a cup of tea or maybe something stronger? I answered meekly, making my way into the living room. Her sofa was comfy. It reminded me of being back at home my, with my parents before any of this started. Terry trotted out to the kitchen, stumbling slightly. I could see the kitchen counter from the sofa and the empty bottle of wine that accounted for her stumbling. As she boiled the kettle, there was a huge crash from somewhere inside the flat, and I jumped, feeling startled. Terry coughed in a meager attempt to conceal the noise. Excuse me for just a moment, please, she muttered apprehensively as she walked out of the living room area and into the hallway containing the bedrooms. I heard another crash, giggling and some inaudible shouting. 
After a while, things went quiet, and Terry came back into the living room. Sorry about the kids, you know, she announced, brushing off the noises. I'd almost forgotten about Eddie and Ellie. It was late already, and by the resigned expression on Terry's face indicated that this was how all her nights began. Damn. <laughs> this is why I don't have kids and Yeah, I was about to say, this is a... I'm not, not I can't, you can't fuck with my sleep, dude. This you is just a child-free, uh, this is actually child-free child podcast. <laughs> yeah. I nodded. I couldn't muster up much more of a response. I think she could see that. I just needed to sit there. She got up to finish making and then set the cup of tea in front of me with two ti two digestive biscuits. She asked for coffee, though. I was about to say, she asked for coffee. She's a terrible host. <laughs> I hadn't eaten properly in days, and I really needed the sugar. Turned out me and Terry get along really well. We have similar taste in movies, music, food, despite the age gap. We spoke for about an hour about random, normal stuff. It was nice to get a break from the madness. I got used to the crashing around from the twins. I even laughed a few times. I've forgotten what it felt like these past few days. The break didn't last long. The next noise that we heard was louder than the first. It was quickly followed by two small children running into the living room, diving into their mother's arms. I was taken aback for a moment. Eddie and Ellie were dressed in pajamas and were still cute children that I had met in the hallway, but something was different. Their brown puppy dog eyes had become deep voids, like what I had imagined when Prue described the window cleaner's true form. At the end of their fingers were long, sharp claws protruding from where nails should be. I didn't have time to recoil in terror with their new looks. Terry clutched them and asked what was wrong. They wailed and buried the voids where their eyes should be into their mother's shoulders. Despite their terrifying exterior, these two were still very scared little kids. It had been a very long day and I thought my nightmare was over, but it was only just beginning. Ellie mumbled into Terry's shoulder in that high-pitched voice kids do when they're scared. Mommy, we're sorry. We didn't mean to let them in. We were just teasing. Shh, they're coming, hissed Eddie in the same distressed, high-pitched tone. Who's... What have you done? Terry asked, color drained from her face. Oh, Terry. The kids didn't get a chance to reply. Terry's face turned paler than I thought possible. I looked up and standing in the living room doorway were about ten people, all incredibly average looking. They were almost expressionless. They didn't look angry or pleased to see us. They were dressed in a nondescriptive clothes. I imagine trying to describe them to one of those artists that draws pictures for the police, and I genuinely don't think even one of them had a distinguishing feature. And that's why it took me a while to spot her in the crowd. Even though she had been glaring at me the entire time. Oh. Natalia. These fucking kids. <laughs> these fucking, these fucking uh, cup of sugar neighbors. You know yeah, what I'm really? saying? Really? Fuck damn. off. They're like, they're terrorists, man. The goddamn rat mutants are way, are easier to deal with. <laughs> they actually are. Cause like, just stay the fuck away. Don't leave food out and stay the fuck away from the elevator, right? I was about to say, like the rat mutants, and apparently the rat mutants can be reasoned with. Like, I'm yeah, apparently they could like be talked to. Apparently. <laughs> they're not that bad. Which, which, I mean, honestly, that, that actually terrifies me. But You know what? You know what? Who doesn't get ravenous when they're hungry? I was you know? about to say, I mean, I'm a different you know? person when I'm hungry. You, you I'm talk to lie. me, you talk to me after a couple bowls at one o'clock in the morning, I'll be fucking willing to rim you for some Cap'n Crunch. Mm -hmm. you some know cinnamon, it. some cinnamon toast. 
Bro, I even Some like fruity I'll be peb. If it's one o'clock in the afternoon and I haven't eaten today because I forgot, I start being a bitch for no reason. And then, I, <laughs> like, to the point where I will literally, like, it's like you're standing outside your own body and you're like, wow, she sucks. What's going on? I literally call my girlfriend hangry because if she doesn't have something small, like, every two hours, she turns into a fucking nightmare. That's me. I'm literally it's such hilarious. a fucking cunt when I'm hungry. If she listens to this, I want her to know that you're not a nightmare. I love you. I, you know what? Don't worry, girl, because I am a nightmare. <laughs> I am the worst fucking person when I'm hungry. Like I am the one. Like but to the yeah. point where my where my partner will literally just like I'll be I'll just say something and he's like, "Do you need something to eat?" Chocolate insert into mouth. <laughs> Please stop. He's like, here's a piece of toast, and I'll eat it, and like instantly feel better, and I'm like, huh, and it surprises yep. me every fucking time. Yep. <laughs> that's that's exactly how my girlfriend is, and I've seen her in some really bad situations where she's just like, she's about to say something really mean, and she just goes, well, you know, uh, if I had had something this morning, you know, uh, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be feeling this way. Dude, she's right, and she should say it. <laughs> it's, you know what? I don't think we should be held responsible for what we do when we're hungry. When we're hungry, right. So so you know what? So you know what? Rack guys, not too bad. Yeah, right? The these, rack guys these are fucking, just These fucking really... flat 60 to 72ers, fuck you guys. Right? They're just... The, the rack guys are just a really extended Snickers commercial. For real. Yeah. With some bad hygiene. Right. Part... <laughs> Part five, things just keep getting weirder. When I first saw Natalia, all I could picture was Georgia. The way her skin melted off her face, the smell of her hair burning, and the sound that she made. I didn't have time to count, but there were more than I originally thought. I figured these must have been the 15 people Prudence talked about entering the flats that burned before it happened. I already knew that Natalia was one of them. Eddie and Ellie clutched Terry's skirt, trembling with fear. I wanted to help protect them, but I still couldn't help but tremble a little myself every time I caught a glimpse of those hollow voids where their eyes were. Hi, Terry. I think this is Natalia. <laughs> yeah. The kid said we could borrow some sugar, she asked menacingly, grinning at the frightened family stood next to me. After a moment or two of intense staring, Natalia finally addressed me. She appeared to be the spokesperson of the group because of course she is. How's your friend doing? It was a shame we had to end our visit. I was enjoying her company. <laughs> Don't speak about her. She's got nothing to do with you, you sick bitch. I screamed at her. I couldn't bear looking at her face again. You don't scare me with all your freak friends. I am not going to let you hurt this lady or her kids. Damn. Cat, Cat is done. I'm, I'm in... Yeah, Kat she's is at like, the end, end of her fucking rope on this one. Cat said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Natalia chuckled. I gulped. I may talk a good game, but I am no hero. Here days ago, I was just a young girl excited to meet You stabbed a bitch in the neck with a knife. I was Believe in yourself. I mean, you've done pretty good, homie. Mere days ago, I was just a young girl excited to move in with her boyfriend, and now here I am. My boyfriend's dead, my flat is like living in my own personal horror movie, and I'm standing up challenging demonic flame neighbors to defend demonic children. <laughs> Hell yeah. And when I said she didn't scare me, I meant it. Something inside me was eradicating any fear of these people. I just wanted to protect the residents. Life really does throw curveballs. I know you aren't scared. I saw it in your eyes when you stuck that big knife in my throat. That's why we're here. My brothers and sisters are not freaks. You're the freaks. 
thinking that your lives have meaning. We watch you people go about your day-to-day -day lives and your mundane routines and nothing really changes. Your lives are pointless and disposable. That's why we set the fire all those years ago. She chuckled throughout her words. There was an animation in them, like she was a psychotic cartoon character, finally catching its prey after 138 episodes of chasing. Those people weren't disposable. Terry mumbled, barely a decibel higher than a whisper. What was that, Terry? Did you have something to say? Natalia went from psychotic cartoon to school bully. School bully, she made my skin crawl. I was only a child, but, but those people were friends of my parents. They, they were good people. Terry said with slightly more confidence. None of the other people had moved. They just stood there staring. Why would you burn people alive? What can you possibly gain? I interjected, taking a slight step between Natalia and Terry and the kids. I could see she was getting ready to go for them, and I couldn't let it happen. We were living with the great leader, Michael. Oh, it's a cult. Yeah, all right. Oh, yeah. All right, now we get it. That makes sense. All of us living in the righteous manner that he had directed us to live. She gestured to the people around her. The name Michael appeared to inspire some sort of emotion in the group. Michael's brother Jonathan lived here on the floor we burned. He let us hang out there sometimes, but he didn't live the righteous way that we did. He didn't like our beliefs, but he took us in when we lost the place we were staying in because of the growth of the group. Him and Michael rarely saw eye to eye. They argued passionately. Our group never believed in living within the constraints of societal norms, and we were up at all hours. We came and went as we pleased, embracing freedoms and listening to music as we did introspective work. Terry shoved the kids further behind her and snapped, infuriated. You were a group of entitled, bratty hippies Fuck yeah, following Terry. some middle-aged, mentally ill twat. Yes! Listen to yourself. The stereotypical cultish drivel coming out of your mouth right now. Terry cried. I was shocked at her outburst, although I couldn't have agreed more. It did sound like cultish drivel. It made For me real? so angry that this was what an entire floor of people had died over. As Terry ended her rant, the curtains hanging on the window behind her burst into flames. I jumped and felt my heart skip a beat. Don't insult us. I'm, I'm sick of hearing simple-minded people call us a cult. Oh, well, I'm sorry, it's a dude. It, I thought it wasn't, I thought it <laughs> okay, was Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy in the back. Don't insult us. I'm sick of hearing simple-minded people call us a cult came from the back row. An average-looking man with dark hair and jeans had piped up, smiling and watching the curtains burn. He had done that. They were all capable of what Natalia had done to Georgia, at the very least. For the first time since the people had entered Terry's flat, my nerves of steel had wavered. I realized we were only alive because they were allowing it so far. We were in big trouble. Terry swiftly shut up, and Natalia continued her story. Michael was the true leader, not like all the fakes you hear of in the news, the people you're talking about. He was teaching us to build a world of peace and harmony, but he didn't deny that in order to do that, you have to eradicate the non-believers. He <laughs> taught us to embrace the bad in us, to harness it so that we could do extraordinary things. She smiled wickedly as her hands glowed hot coals as she spoke. It may have sounded like cultish drivel, but Michael being a total faker wouldn't have explained their powers. Things went wrong when someone went to the police after Michael and Jonathan had a terrible argument one night. When the police arrived, Jonathan told us to go. The group had been planning to leave this building anyway. We'd had nothing but interruption and trouble in our time here. This place is weird. 
but we had nowhere else to go. The police already disliked us after our overcrowding the last property, and we didn't need more attention. Michael was furious. We brainstormed in the field for hours who could have done it. I always personally suspected the next-door neighbor, Mavis. The woman was so nosy, always knocking and asking us to keep the noise down and interrupting our spiritual sessions. Michael wouldn't make certain judgments on the person who had done it. All we thought was we were sure that they all had to be on the same floor, so he instructed us to go back that night and eradicate the whole floor and every non-believer who lived there. As you know, we obliged. This incited sick laughter from the crowd. I waited, forcing myself to let her finish, buying time. We took pleasure in their screams, in watching every man, woman, and child go up in flames through their front door windows. It was the first time we'd unleashed all that energy and we felt so powerful. But then as we left the building hallway behind us and entered the stairwell, this building found a way to fuck us over one more time. I couldn't give you the number of the amount of times we tried to run down those stairs and leave our glorious victory behind and return to Michael. It didn't matter how many times we tried. We couldn't make it past that floor. The stairs wouldn't let us. It didn't take all that long before the fire reached the stairwell and we were trapped in, burning us all, along with the non-believers. We died just in time for the fire engine to arrive. We may have been dead, but we didn't disappear. We couldn't leave the building. We were stuck just wandering it in and out of the burned flats and hallways, but not allowed anywhere else unless we were asked. It was awful. We didn't try to cause any trouble at first. We waited for Michael to come find us and instruct us. Two months passed and he hadn't come. Instead came confirmation. A newspaper put through the door of the building. Headline news. Tower Block resident Bernie Hemmings information vital to imprisonment of cult leader, local cult leader on drug charges. I gasped. I couldn't believe I hadn't found that when I was researching crew, but I suppose local news wasn't so heavily online back then. Natalia saw my shocked expression and grinned wider than before. The old bat didn't tell you that then, she asked, although it wasn't really a question that her stupid husband is the whole reason we're here. We really started to cause issues then. <laughs> the understatement, again. The understatement under of the fucking century. The understatement of the century. Did anything within our power to fuck the whole building over. But it didn't take them long to work out that we had to be asked to come in. We only stopped when Prue worked out a way we could die a second time. And that we would come back again. She killed two of our group. She was the only person that could stop us. We didn't do shit with her around. We stopped and reached a stalemate. Then she moved out. We were gonna honor that stalemate until you stabbed me. Prue's gone. It's fair game in here now. As Natalia got angrier, a member of her group started getting agitated. They all soon followed like a hive mind working as one. The stillness became chaotic with all of them moving and making noise. I didn't notice at first when one started walking towards Terry and the kids, but I noticed when it got near. It was a teen girl, slender and pretty, but still unsettlingly average. As she got within a meter of the family, Ellie suddenly went rigid. The claws that replaced her fingernails grew longer and sharper, with jagged edges from growing so fast. The voids deepened, if that was even possible. She opened her mouth to reveal rows of sharp teeth, blood caked where the tooth meets the gum, where they had grown too quickly as well. Ellie jumped. She reached towards the girl and slashed her face with the claws, leaving deep gouges across her eyes. She clung onto the girl, using her claws as wall pegs to keep herself at eye level. Eddie controlled the crowd. His own claws grew and he ran towards them, sending them scattering out of the flat, random bursts of flame erupting everywhere, lighting the whole room. 
shit it had hit the fan. <laughs> that again under, under understatement of the century but you know what i appreciate the okay so we've got demon children but the demon children said fuck you that's my mom <laughs> oh, sure, they, you know, animal instinct is gonna is gonna kick in before uh you know anything else and i'd say uh fight or flight they're they're a fight type of kid if they have claws and fucking yeah, they black said, eyes <laughs> they said, fuck you i'll bite you <laughs> The two demon children were successfully fending off a group of 15 dead superhuman cultists. Natalia ran from them, too, but kept her eyes locked on mine as she did. As she ran from the flat, she spoke to me. This isn't over, she screamed, and I knew it wasn't. I stayed on Terry's sofa that night. We organized all the burned items in the house and threw things out before we crashed out into the early hours. The kids' clothes retracted and they returned to their earlier state, causing mischief in the hallways. They were really too young to understand. I didn't sleep much, nothing new. When I woke up, Terry was still asleep. I didn't want to disturb her, so I walked back to my flat, desperate to avoid anything strange on the way. The stairs must have noticed, because they didn't skip on my way up. I hadn't checked the time when I left Terry's, but when I reached the door at the same time as the familiar face, postman Ian stood there, dropping letters on my doorstep. I love. He shouted as he noticed me. I need to talk. Can you come inside? Just five minutes, please. I practically begged him at the doorstep. I told him everything that had happened the night before. How Natalia was out for revenge, and I was the object of her rage. I begged him to tell me how to kill them, but he claimed he didn't know. He said if I kept my doors locked and didn't let them in, I should be fine. He looked shifty as I mentioned killing them. Didn't even suggest asking Prudence how to do it. Something was telling me there wasn't much point. He seemed so disingenuous. I wanted hmm. to trust him so badly I wanted to trust him. I had been so vulnerable with him over Jamie. But if Prudence Hemmings could forget to mention what Bernie had done and conveniently never pass on the method to kill these awful people, leaving them around to terrorize her neighbors and friends, then could she be a liar too? Could I really trust Ian? When he provided no answers and no real help, something inside me told me that I needed to get him out of my flat. I needed to rethink, start working things out on my own. I made excuses to Ian and sent him on his rounds. Prudence left me these rules, but she left so much out. How do I know I wasn't always a pawn in some sick game? Her fantasy life as a puppet master setting me up to fail. She get her. She kept her granddaughter in a cage for years. Maybe she enjoys suffering. One of those, like, uh, for fuck's sake kind of realizations. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to give up easily, though. Natalia wasn't going to win. I decided there and then that I needed to attend the community meeting today and start building an army against Natalia. I didn't need Prue's help or her methods. With enough manpower, I could do it myself. This was war. <laughs> and that is the end of part one. Wow. That was a really good note to end it on, too. But I, 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 I think that Kate, Kat might be making a mistake here. <laughs> um... It's interesting because the kind of the kind of fiction lover in me thinks that she has a lot of like ammunition at her disposal yeah. to kind of combat certain threats against other ones, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Like maybe when she lets all of these people in, she could just conveniently walk over and open the sliding door for the window guy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Or maybe trap them somewhere until one o'clock in the morning. And then uh, leave some food out. <laughs> and then leave some food in the room, you know, some Doritos, some 
some Mountain Dew. My, I think that it's better to let them all in and then like open a can of soda or whatever because I feel like the rats. But I don't know though because like I don't know if they're edible for the rat guys. Uh, with how they're yeah, with how they're like um, they're gooey. They're inside. black, black blood and shit. Exactly, and you know for window I don't know if guy. The, if if the rats can rip them apart, who's to say that they can put themselves back together? They're a good point. Although maybe that's the method that Prudence is talking about. Maybe you like fucking stab them and then you're like, come here, rats, and like the rats do the rest of the work. Mm. But I don't know. Window guy, I feel like letting him in at the same time as them would be a not good idea. <laughs> I just. There's. Window guy is a Chekhov's gun. Right. I'm saying I'm saying it right now. <laughs> I'm saying window guy is gonna come in at some point because this story introduced him. Without and when you in, when you introduce a weapon, you use it yeah, <laughs> at you some have to point. Use it. So you know, this is off topic, but like where are the kid where's the kid's dad? Is he washing windows? <laughs> is he window guy? I mean they have yeah, the same Terry, eyes. Terry Terry, like, so so follow me on this, because I was going to make the joke earlier, but forgot. <laughs> Window guy is aggressively knocking to come inside. <laughs> you, you, horny, say no, but sit there and masturbate in front of him. <laughs> You're nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and get him to just fucking stare at you because you're a voyeur and you turn on by that shit. I... I just like I'm Terry, trying to like, Terry you freak I'm trying to like do the math in my head like to math the math about how that would fucking work out and I'm just like <laughs> well you've come to the right podcast I so feel like so Terry just... Terry is super horned up and just happens to be horny enough to let window washer into her apartment Right. Several months later, she gives birth to two demon kids. <laughs> In the building, also, side note, which must have sucked for her. Yeah, maybe there's something more to be said about the building. Maybe it's like some Zool thing going on. You know, yeah. like, just just like, no, the, you know, the gardener, the postman, and the window washer are all from... The nether realms right and they all have jobs to take care of this building against their will but it doesn't mean that they have to be good or nice about their jobs right so really who is to say that some antichrist situation didn't happen with terry and her kids just because she let a demon inside to jump her bones yeah i mean you know until we find out where the dad was or where if if a dad was i'm gonna i'm gonna say window washer is papa that's what I'm thinking too, just purely because since the eyes are the same. She I'm compared just the eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I just feel like that's not a coincidence, but I also feel like the whole, like, you know, Derek backstory, I, I'm very much expecting him to reemerge. And I do, you know, I just, I don't know why, but I feel like the whole plot line with the boyfriend also isn't over yet. Uh, I mean, trauma has that way of creeping back up every once in a while. I right. I would agree. I would agree, but like to I what end? 
Right. I don't think like like I don't think that she. I don't want him to come back. No, not in, like in that. any in any way in any real way. But maybe there's some type of. Maybe he can ghost. That's what I'm wondering because I'm also like because my thing is that like Cat. What I like about Cat as a main character is that she's not stupid at all. And no, she no. very much like, and she, she has, has a surprisingly level head about what's happening, right? And like, honestly, she's been having very real and understandable reactions, and in some cases, she's actually been reacting like better than I think I would have. Um, like, I don't yeah. think I survived that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd react to a lot of this shit very well. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have survived that encounter with Natalia at all. I, I definitely think she would have roasted me. In a very I mean, fucking, way. fucking ghost with fire starter powers. Yeah, really. Yeah, Which is so OP. So OP. But whatever. I don't know. The minute she said she was from Flat 71, I probably would have just stuck her right then and there. Yeah. Right in front right in front of Georgia. Because, like, it's Georgia's fault. I'll explain it to her later. Better stick her and get her out the door real quick. Yeah, might as well give her a stabby stab. I also yeah. just love that Natalia was like, well, you broke the stalemate. And I'm like, you burned her friend alive. <laughs> yeah, you came into my fucking house, you dumb bitch. I guess her argument is that she was invited in. She's like, well, you invited me. Like, no, <laughs> but that's how fair. Like, I mean, not necessarily. That's how Faye work, though. You know, like Faye, ghosts, demons, yeah. all of that. Like, they're like vampires, vampires. I, right? They're like, well, you let me in, so it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> the implication. It's the implication. You're not going to say no because of the implication. <laughs> because of the implication. It's the implication. It's hilarious. This this entire this this story is really exactly what I expected. I mean, except for the dead boyfriend part. I was hoping we'd have some like type of hijinks where it's like, "Oh, the dog is gone. Guess he got eaten." Bam, burp, burp, burp. Or, right, the friends theme song. <laughs> yeah, Seinfeld. Theme. Yeah, Seinfeld. <laughs> You know, I, ju I just assumed, like, I assumed, like, they'd look at each other and be like, oh, the, the milk, the milk has gotten spoiled again in less than 24 hours. Guess our fridge is haunted. Right, exactly. Or, like, you, you know, know, just, like, together, like, warning off demons from the apartment so they can have movie night. Got it. You know, there's something, there's something simple about that, but I guess we weren't meant to have that. No, we were meant to be. We weren't meant to live together, Siren. Well, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways, and sometimes <laughs> that way is a rat mutant feasting is on your boyfriend's mutant. bones in an elevator. Yeah, that's true. You know, they they always say that that that's what's gonna get you. Yeah, the rat mutants, right? I'm pretty sure that was in a Barbie movie. That's what my mom warned me about. When yeah, I was young. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, this is this has been great. I'm really excited to see where the story goes. Me um, too. Expectations for war are low. <laughs> yes. <laughs> expectations on damage are high. Very high. Spirit is medium. Yeah, I, I expectations for war exceedingly low. <laughs> exceedingly low. Prudence comes walking in covered in Castlevania fucking weapons. That would be amazing. <laughs> I do see herself like arming herself with like a shitload of like shot. She brings in Lila on a leash and says, get him and like lets her loose and eats a bunch of people. Yeah, why not? Let Lila loose. Let her have a day out. Lila's big day out. Exactly. Lila's big day. Lila in the big city. 
Well, I was Lila already had her big day out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I do I do think she's making a huge fucking mistake though. Like honestly, I don't I think that Prudence is an extremely flawed person. I do think that Prudence did her best. Her best just wasn't very good near the end, and I think that sure. she's making a mistake by think by deciding that she no longer trusts Prudence or Ian. I, I think that's a mistake. I think she's making a really big mistake because she's paranoid uh, now. Uh, I I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna reserve judgment on that one because like we just said, there are people working at this building who don't quite fit the spectrum of understanding that we've come to under like that that we've currently come to understand. Right. We like we know about the cats. We know about the the burnt uh, apartment people. We know about the rats in the elevator. We don't know about the people working there. We don't know about the window wash man. I don't know if we're going to meet Derek if if maybe Cat goes outside one day and just decides to reinstitute a garden and then just one day Derek shows up maybe he becomes a character you know that's what um, I'm thinking I was thinking like how hard is it to just make a new garden right and my thing is like I also wonder cause like Postman. you know the, right the whole thing with Lila um like it went bad after she was a huge fucking dick to Derek like right so, like I know she was grieving sometimes you're not rational but she was a huge cunt to him and he did get angry with her and I'm kind of like, did he fuck it up on purpose? No, he told her a truth. It's just he told her a half truth. He told her what she wanted. He didn't tell her of the ramifications. Yeah. Maybe that's like how he works, though, because he sounds more like a mechanic kind of than like a person. Well, I think he just told I, I think he's just like. He's like, yeah, there's a way to bring her back and you're not going to like it. And at the end of the day, I really shouldn't be telling you. And then she steps on his plants and he goes, you know what? Never mind. You deserve this. He said, here you go. Enjoy. Go get your rat kid. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's, there. it's not, I don't actually see like too much of that being him acting any certain way. I just see, I see that as cause and effect. Right. Any, any, whether a demon or not, I just see that as like a rational form of understanding. Like, Oh, well, I was put here to literally do this one thing and you just fucked it up for me. So you know what? Here you go. Fuck you. <laughs> well, you get what Where, you get. Whereas, whereas with the postman, I think his window is too small for him to be, like, fucked with. Right. And, and he quite, he probably quite literally just has his job. That's what so I that's think. So that's probably why he doesn't have any ulterior motives. He doesn't have anything else going on because that's his only time on this plane and it's running up and down this building within the time frame he has in order to deliver all the mail because God knows what happens to him if he doesn't. If he doesn't, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm wondering, if maybe he has some kind of deal so, going on. you know, window washer man shows up every few days because windows don't need to be washed every day. Right. But he probably spends most of his day on different people's balconies you know drooling all over them and cleaning them off right I think he's actually doing a job because they mentioned that the windows are sparkling yeah they do he, after he comes by so he does a job he just acts for he, he asks for a drink I was about to say so you you're know? so the the implication here is that he's on the payroll 
And they're like, well, yeah, you know, some people might let you in and then you can eat them, I guess. I don't know if they operate off of the same, like, rule system that the rats do, though. Right. I don't know if, like, the person who made a compromise with Ian or Derek or the window guy, like, I don't know if they all operate on the same frequency, you know? Like, the the rats, the rat people seem more like a sub a subhuman race that existed in this space before humans did. And when humans moved in, the territory got, you know, right. Argumentative. Um, I do. I, but then they started to die. So reason came, reason stepped in and said to keep the building working, we need to implement a system. And they said Ian helped with that though. Right. So maybe he can exist outside of his time frame. I, I don't know. There's too much. There's too much. I don't know floating around right now with part one. But like that's that's what makes going into reading parts two, three, and four more exciting. I was to about me. to say, yeah, we have a we're only a quarter of the way through, and it has been a wild fucking ride so far. So it's only gonna get worse. She's mm. already declared war, and we're only a quarter in. Yeah, I definitely I double down on the, on the worse. I double down on more of this coming. Like there's probably other things we read that still haven't come to fruition that we're just forgetting about. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure that, I mean, it sounds like new fucked up things happen here every now and again too. So I'm wondering if something super fun and new is going to resurface. She, Oh, the author left that open ended. Uh-huh. Exactly. The author said I didn't include everything on here for a reason. Cause then I'd just be babbling like the stairs. Like the never-ending staircase. Exactly. That's, that's just that's just a funny horror trope. It's it's also funny because it's like random, like and it isn't like it just skips sometimes. Yeah. It's like like it's a vague and it's really like it's like it would be creepy if it wasn't so annoying. Like. <laughs> yeah, the come the uh, the unknowingness of coming and going. I would be worried about having to walk, you know, like a hundred before getting trapped somewhere. Right. You know, like. I already hate stairs, which is another thing I was going to say. You could tell someone from the UK wrote this because of the way that they um, said certain things, certain uh, nouns, pronouns, and adjectives. Right. Um, the I just, I don't know if it's like they have a more publicly acceptable, like, staircase kind of culture over there, but, like, we're lazy over here. We like elevators. So... Even if there's an old one, I think an American would try and use it before taking tons of steps. Mm -hmm. And if I knew, looking at the steps, that it was only supposed to be seven blocks down and you make me do 11, after the first time doing 11, I'd be like, fuck those stairs. <laughs> I just did so much extra work for the same thing. Right. I'd be in that fucking murder lift like all the time. Seriously. <laughs> I would just make sure not to go in between one eleven and three thirty three a.m. I'm never out at that time anyway. I'm old. I go to right. bed at ten. I mean, I don't do that, but I wouldn't be in a lift at at the at the time that I'm still awake. Nope, absolutely. I'd be like, not. I don't know, playing playing fucking Left 4 Dead or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy at that time that I'm awake in my underwear eating Cheesecake Factory. Oh my god. Now I want so. the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> so anyway, this has been Lots of Pasta. This is episode 241. Uh, be sure to tune back in at 243 for part two. 
we're gonna we're gonna give one skip one um, on our way to 247 which will be the finale for this one but this is already shaping up to be a really good series might be our best yet we always say that right we do and we're right every time best. it always gets better it gets better and better any any final words cannibal siren um so far i would not advise on fucking any of the monsters in this story and Carrie <laughs> did smash the window washer. She's braver than I because the, I do draw the line somewhere, and uh, this story's found it. <laughs> you're not you're not coming on to Ian the Postman with his gold no. chains. Well, I mean, hold on, I didn't say that, but I don't know what's wrong with him yet. <laughs> All right, All we'll right. find out. We'll reserve judgment on how fuckable any of these things are, because because exactly. you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie, you know cute cute young looking lady knocking on my door asking for a cup of sugar if i'm single you know it would be hard for me to to you know not open the door unless someone did leave me a survival guy that said don't fucking open your door i was about to say and that is why you if i were told not to I would try really hard not to. I love that you but don't even I promise that you would, the wouldn't. Like, even if you did, <laughs> it's like, well, I would do my best. Because it, because she'd come in, and I'd be like, want to get down? And she'd be like, yeah, and then she'd burn my dick off, and then I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> Only I then. I made the wrong choice. <laughs> and then my not. eyeballs would explode. I was about to say, and then your your brain would be melted anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really the problem at the end of the day is my point. So, you know. Cannibal uh, Siren says, don't fuck if, these monsters. Yeah. If I weren't warned, though, <laughs> it would be hard to not monster fuck. Because I wouldn't know they were monsters. Right, yeah, I guess a surprise These monster. ones look too much like people. It's not like the rat thing is knocking on my door asking him to suck dick. But you know, like... She did specifically say, though, that they're like painfully average looking. Like absolutely no discernible like features That's true. They didn't necessarily say that Natalia was like cute. Yeah, They I just said the that she was normal. I feel like Never she's... mind. If she was... But they did say that they, like, smile, though, and shit. Yeah. Oh, is that all it takes for you? <laughs> <laughs> all it takes is a medium to average-looking girl walking into my vicinity, smiling at me and asking to be around me, and I'm like, okay, this mm. is fun. You have childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you? I did many times. <laughs> I'm cheating. Oh, <laughs> I'm an empath. This is, this and I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's great. I'm sensing that this episode is is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this episode's done. I wait till the days end.